Big Sills. Pack show. Pack show. Mark Farzetta will be with us at the bottom of the hour. Tony Bruno, hour two at 4.30 Eastern. And also, Philly Godfather, 5.30 as we look at the weekend games. We'll get his thoughts on point spread and some of the games this weekend. Um, Hey, real quick before we get going. Last day, last chance to qualify for our Hooters giveaways and our gift certificates. We're going to throw a code word out throughout the program. All you have to do is put all your information on an email, send it to Tone. You will qualify for an opportunity to get yourself some of those gift certificates. Show at gmail.com. We will announce the winners on Monday like we did this past Monday. So good luck to you guys. Just keep an eyeball out for that for that code word throughout the program. It's your last chance to get an opportunity to get some of those gift certificates. So we look forward to seeing if you become one of those winners and we'll announce it again on a football Monday. All right. I told you this. Two days ago, you set this bar too high for this team. Since when is 34 points forcing four turnovers and a back running for 175 yards a bad day? Since when is that a bad day? But because you guys have jumped the gate thinking you're some sort of undefeated team, you have set this bar so freaking high up here that you can't even see over your own expectations. 34 points, four forced turnovers, a running back goes for 175, and that's a shitty day? Amen. To each his own, I guess. And let's do this one other thing before we get going into this. And we start going knee deep in. Um, you're 2-0. I'll say it again before I get going here. You're 2-0. Loki goes, who said it was bad? Well, let's get into it. I thought I was watching the old Oklahoma Barry Switzer triple option last night. I thought I was watching the triple option. You're one-dimensional. Your quarterback cannot read defenses. It is absolutely apparent. You can blame Brian Johnson all you want. He cannot read defenses. Seals, last night's play calling was awful. We were trying to throw the ball while the Vikings played a soft front. Shane Steichen played a big part in our offensive strategy. Let me put this out there to you. They know how to defend you now. That Vikings defense is trash. That has to be one of the worst collection of talent I've seen play an NFL defense in quite some time. That's a terrible defense. The Vikings had two things that were awful in that game last night. Their O-line and their defense. Brutal. Brutal. 
They ran the ball right down their throat. You had to because you can't throw the ball. You have no passing game. And you had to run the ball 48 times because Cousins was killing you. That entire passing attack, even with the turnovers, was annihilating you. Zach Cunningham played better. 250 yards rushing, you're damn right. You're a terrible passing team. You're not going to beat good teams. You're not. You're, that, you're not going to beat good teams. You're not going to beat good teams being one-dimensional. You become predictable. It's totally why the Chiefs beat you the Super Bowl. 23 passing attempts. Most teams have that by halftime. Let's get to the takeaways. They're one-dimensional. There's no getting around it. You are a one-dimensional Big 12 or Southwestern Conference team back in the day that ran the ball. You only run the ball. You have no, that's why the bitching on the sidelines. We'll get to that here in a minute. The league had six months to come up with a counter for what the Eagles did so well. Now Sirianni, Johnson, and Hurts must use these next 10 days to come up with a counter. And they're not good enough coaches. I believe Hurts will improve. I don't believe you have good coaches. They're telling you that. You're one-dimensional. They have come up with a game plan. Even a shitty defense stopped you throwing the ball. Let me get to the takeaways first, Martin, and I'll tell you. Um, whatever balance you had a year ago is gone. You have no balance in your passing attack. And... Thank God you can run it against a shitty defense. You had to run it. They basically took the ball out of Hertz's hands in the second half because they knew they were going nowhere in the air. How could that be with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown? How can that be? Do you know that your defense in two games with Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins is giving up a total of 326 yards in the air? 326 yards per game against Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins. And by the way, how many people think the old line played well? Is it me or is Hurts getting hit more? I think, hey, they're great. And you know what, too? They're going to grade great when you have 48 rushing attempts. But when you have the pass probe, your numbers go down when it comes to your grading because it's more difficult to pass protect. Your quarterback's getting hit. Your quarterback is getting hit more. He's getting hit. 
Um, two straight games, two straight turnovers for Hurts. Actually, Super Bowl, three straight games, three turnovers. Three straight games. Costly, too. Allowed the Patriots to come back on you. Scoop and score in the Super Bowl. Last night, really stopped the entire passing offense last night. Once he threw the pick, they went, that's it. He's getting hit more. That team, right now, your O-line, is not doing a very good job pass protecting. That's another reason they got away from it. Okay? I believe it's a combination of O-line rust and Hurts holding the ball way too long. Sounds like the Carson Wentz story. Gee, I could have swore I'm going to rewind that and hear the same thing that I heard a guy holding the ball too long and O-line struggling pass protecting. Shit, I heard that five years ago. It's almost kind of like rewinding that. Vikings defense is, I mean, one more time here, man, to drive the point home. That guy cannot read defenses. I'm going to say this to you here. On a good note, Jordan Davis is playing his ass off. He's the best defensive lineman right now in the first two nights and in the first two starts of the season that's on that football team. He is playing really well. And when the center went out, he took complete advantage of that. That's how you take, hey, you're not going to hear me do this. Well, he played against the second team center. It's the NFL, next guy up. And what did Davis do? He took care of that. And he played like he should. You should kill that guy. He sucks. He should. And he did. Hey, you can't ask a player to do more. Got penetration. Great job. Okay. Great job. Um, there is no question the injuries on the team are starting to mount, and it's a massive concern. Um, now, let's get to the argument on the sideline. I told you this. I just told, I just told Tone this. You watch. If he doesn't start getting targets tonight, Brown's going to – he's going to start bitching. I said that yesterday. And on cue, and on time, he started bitching. You know why? Because he's telling him he's wide open. Why can't you see me? Well, it's simple. Because he can't read defenses. Minnesota did the same shit that Belichick did with lesser talent. Okay? I said that AJ will start complaining. And get this. You were winning. What's his problem? Now, is it because he's that guy and that's the position? Look, I'm going to tolerate that stuff because he's so gifted. And they're boys. I'm okay with it. Sirianni's got to come over and separate the two? That's just not a conversation about, hey, I'm open. There must have been some language in there that said, can't you see me? 
I mean, here's one thing. I told you guys had everything going in your favor last year, and you guys had everything handed on a silver platter last year because you had shitty teams to play against. There was no adversity. You know what's crazy? You guys get on my shit because you go, hey, we're 2-0. and What was AJ's fault? What was his problem last night? He's on the freaking team and on the sidelines complaining. What's his excuse? What's his excuse? He's complaining too. Hey, Chris, hey wait a minute, JoJo. AJ's complaining about 2-0 and also. Seals teams have tape on the Eagles and our co- Hey, hey, Tone, can you put that super chat up, please, for me? Um, I want to make sure that I get that up there for them. Seals teams have tape on the Eagles and our coaching are not experienced enough to adjust again. You're right about everything. Hope it gets better. It will with reps. How would you fix hurt sales? Let me get through all the numbers and my observations first. A.J. Brown is not a punk. Don't go there. Okay? He is not a locker room cancer. He's not a... He's not a whisper in the corner like Alshon Jeffries. That's a cancer. That's a cancer. He, he's not going in the corner going, hurt sucks. He ain't doing that, AJ. He's not a cancer. So don't go there with that. Right now, the Eagles pass defense. I said it to you last week, and I'll say it to you again will be one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. This is a personnel issue. The stuff on offense, they have to figure it out. They will. They're not going to figure it out because of the coaching you have. They're going to figure it out because Hertz is going to figure it out. Here, here, here. Your pass defense sucks. Your pass offense sucks. Terrible. Here's the numbers. 34-28. First downs, 24-19. Third down, 6 of 10, 6 of 14 for the Vikings. Here's, Here's where the game's won. 75 plays. You held the Vikings to 55 plays. Let me tell you something else about running the ball and becoming one-dimensional against a shitty defense. The Eagles had to do that. You couldn't put Cousins back on the field with Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson. Jefferson had the fumble, but he was destroying Darius Slay. Destroying him. Destroying him. One seventy-one in net passing yards to three forty-six, two fifty-nine in rushing. Like I'm watching Navy football. And and get this: here's something I want to know about the Vikings. Why in the world would you cut loose of Dalvin Cook when it's clearly a factor on why your offense is as pathetic as it can be running the ball? with 28 yards 
What's the point of that? So you made a money issue to make your offense less. Martin, I think Reddick's thumb is bothering him a lot. It is. He's a non-factor. But it's injury. I mean, you get rid of Dalvin Cook. Why? Why? I mean, you decide to make your offense less. Do you know if they had Dalvin Cook on that team, I think they'd have ran the Eagles off the field. A guy like Jefferson, you can never truly stop him. You just have to keep him from impacting the game. Although Slade did give up a lot of yards, I also believe he kept Jefferson from taking over the game. They could never take over the game because they could never get play action going. That's a one-dimensional team. But theirs is passing. See, they had balance a year ago. They could run the ball with a 1,200-yard back and a 1,700-yard receiver. You had balance in the room. They're the the complete opposite of you. You can't throw the ball, and they can't run the ball. Forty-eight rushing attempts. Holy shit, you had to do that. You had to keep that, that pathetic eagle pass defense off the field. Four turnovers. Fantastic. I mean, how many does Minnesota have in the last two games? Ten? Here, here's another, here's another key component. When you're one-dimensional and you run the ball the way the Eagles do. Had the ball for around 40 minutes. Game over. I said to you, I didn't think they could stop AJ and Devontae. What stopped him was Hurts' inability to find him. Here, 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 here's something that shows you, and, and when you listen to these numbers from your players, you'll understand where I'm going. We need to become a run-first offense at this point and then play action them to death until Brian Johnson, until Jalen and him can figure it out. They are a, defenses have figured you out. I think they figured out the guy in Buffalo. I I think the guy in Buffalo has been figured out. 18 of 23, 193, a touchdown and a pick for Hurts. Cousins, 31 of 44, 364, four touchdowns, no picks. Second straight quarterback, Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins, who completely outplayed Jalen Hurts. I mean, here's something else on your coaching. So DeAndre Swift gets 28 carries and goes for 175 and a touchdown, and you had him on your roster, but you barely played him in game one. I mean, you're making it sound like you're some sort of savants when it comes to coaching. You're not. You're not savants. You're bookworms. Alexander Madison, eight carries, 28 yards. By the way, I saw that press release that the Minnesota Vikings put out. 
Cam Jurgens has been awful in pass protection. He surely has. I saw that press release. To me, can I tell you about, okay, so a guy said, out of 70,000 fans, the Minnesota Vikings targeted one guy knowing full well it would target the entire city of Philadelphia. They did that by design. Because no way does some guy who hollered out a racial slur represent the great fan base in Philadelphia that is passionate about their team and is passionate about NFL football. It's an indict- they, they tried to indict the entire community knowing full well that the media will come down on Philly because of the reputation the city already has. To me, that man should be singled out. But to me, what the Minnesota Vikings did is race baiting an entire community. You really think 75 freaking thousand Philadelphia Eagle fans are screaming the N-word? You indict that city when you do that. That pissed me off. You have a right to single that out, but you know what that means. They're not going to look at Bob sitting in row four who said the N-word. They're going to look at the 69,000 that are sitting in Philadelphia and they're going to go down on the reputation of the city. Not cool. On both parts. I mean... Sing, okay, you single out the entire city. You know how the media is going to respond. And the, and the Vikings know that. I'm not saying you don't address it. You should have went to the NFL and let them address it. You had no problem with John Gruden. But Minnesota Vikings put out a statement like that, knowing full well... A ton of bricks was going to fall on the city of Philly. For two dudes barking the N-word, or one, or I don't know. I'm not justifying it. I'm trying to not let it indict the great night it was for somebody who took their family and their kids. You You can't throw shade on an entire fan base like that. You guys are right. A Philadelphia sports base doesn't just get shit on, it gets pissed on. Texas guy, there's a great example of it. Texas guy thinks that that's just the way you guys act. And the Vikings feel that. Here's the point that I'm getting to in Jalen and the passing game. So Devontae Smith had 131 yards in the game, four receptions. That's a one-target throw. It's a predetermined snap throw. The Vikings couldn't cover him. How many times did he get behind him? Four. AJ, four catches, 29 yards. Goddard, six catches, 22 yards. These are unacceptable. 
They're unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. You can sit here and look at Brian Johnson all you want. And and by the way, after Frank Reich left, Doug, you guys, you know, you know, you guys told me a couple, you guys told me this a couple um, months ago. Well, they're going to run the same offense and they're going to have the same playbook for defense. Then why does everything look so different? It's not just about numbers. It's a feel. You got to have to feel for the game. And when you keep going to training wheel coaches, you, you get outplayed with lesser talent. Jalen is a one-read guy right now because defenses have upped their game. Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins have outplayed the Eagle quarterback. Mac, when you get into the heart of the schedule, now look, there's no question. Injuries are playing a factor here. Your linebacker, Zach Cunningham played better. I thought he played better. And Blankenship coming back. Okay? Okay? And, and so, I still think that's a personnel side. Over there on defense, I think they're going to get on offense, in my opinion. I think they will get around to it and figure it out. You're going to have to. By the way, the Buccaneers are going to be quite a test for you. Because let me say this to you. The Buccaneers have a good defense too. They have a Patriot-type defense. They got Their linebackers are good too. Okay? Their linebackers are good. Todd Bowles is a good coach. And, and the way I look at this weekend, I would say this. Bucks are probably, believe it or not, going to be 2-0 and when you get a hold of them. And that's going to be interesting to see if you're able to get into a position where you're going to go like this. And you've righted the ship. you got 10 days. All right. Um, the guys did such a great job last night on the post-game show. Uh, Mark Farsetta was there with the guys. He was sitting on the desk. And I'll tell you what, this is like Paisan Row this week. I got Tony Bruno in like hour number two at 4.30. And I mean, we've had Miss Anelli on. We've had Angelo on this week. Why not add another Paisan to it here? Possible is all for everybody. Mark Farsetti joins us now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just act like I already had my pasta fajol. Hold on one second. All right, there we go. Tell me okay. that's cappuccino, please. Cappuccino. I got a little espresso. After 11, what am I, a barbarian? Drinking cappuccino hey, wait, later? Wait. Come on. Hey, if you have cappuccino, this doesn't this have to go up? <laughs> now, what am I, French? Come on now. You know what I'm saying? No, I just stay down like doesn't a man. More than Italians. All right, Mark, give me your, <laughs> give me your take. Give me your takeaway from last night's game. Uh, my takeaway is Brian Johnson's got a lot of ish to figure out. Look, uh, we uh, Mike Vicinelli asked a question on the post game last night, and we went around the horn and just said, you know, your your concern level. And Seth was at like a seven in terms of like you know ten is the most worried. I think uh, Gunner was at a six. I'm honestly at a four. I'm at a four. I'm not overly concerned. 
it's two games in a five-day span to start off with, and I love your phrase, training wheel coordinators. Uh, I've been overall impressed with what I've seen from Sean Desai. Certainly have seen more aggression from Sean Desai than I saw from Jonathan Gannon at the time here. Um, I think I have seen a tremendous effort and production from Josh Sweat. Five quarterback hits in the game last night. Uh, but when it comes to everything else, I, am, I, I do have worry uh, about uh, Jalen Hurts if he doesn't take a huge step forward uh, two Sundays, well, exactly a week from the, this coming Monday when they take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I think you have to look at this game, these first two games of the season when it comes to Jalen Hurts and Brian Johnson. As, um, as A.J. Brown put it after the Patriots game, uh, it was a learning experience. It was a teaching moment. And I hope they learn from it and improve because they simply, they have to. Um, Jalen Hurts' throw, his interception was atrocious. And this is the thing, Dan, I don't know if you ever heard me say this, but I always like to say, sure, numbers don't lie, but they sure as hell can deceive. And if you look at Jalen Hurts' numbers, 18 to 23 in last night's game, you would go, oh, it was a pretty good game. Um, that interception was horrifying his reads were not there if it's not if it's him and brian johnson simply not being on the same page and not understanding the overall offensive philosophy and the change from uh, shane steichen to uh brian johnson then they got the next uh week plus to figure it out and get on the same page and i know that they've known each other and everyone told me oh there'll be no issue with the transition from brian johnson and uh, shane steichen uh, brian johnson it's no jalen hurts since he was four years old. I'm like, yeah, but he hasn't been calling plays for Jalen Hurts since he was four years old. So for me, that is the thing that needs to be ironed out the most over uh, the distance they have between games here. Do you think they took the ball out of Jalen's hands after that pick? Because they see, and again, it's not for the turnovers with the Vikings, Mark. I mean, the Vikings were running all over that field in the passing game. And I mean, What's his name? Had 150, what was it? Had 150 some odd yards receiving. The other receiver had a really great game as Justin well. Jefferson, here. yeah. Atkinson, um, Jordan Addison also. They were running all over. They were throwing the ball all over that. Did you think they decided to go like this? Let's get time in possession. Let's not throw the ball and get three and outs because I'll say this to you too, Mark. Hertz is getting hit more. He's getting hit more. And so when you see them at pass probe, I personally don't think the old line's doing that great a job. Their forte's running the ball. It's really not pass protection because that kid's getting hit more. And to me, they just went, that's why you saw Lane go like this. Let's yeah. keep it going. Let's keep it going. I think he wanted, they wanted to do that until they, like you said, can figure this out. Yeah, uh, Lane Johnson's done that before with the Eagles. I remember he did it with Doug Peterson against the Giants a few years ago where he's like, hey, look, we're we're doing well with this. Let's just keep this going. And they ended up winning that football game. Um, Lane Johnson will do that, and I, I love that he does that. This Eagles offensive line, when it comes to running the football, they could just bully teams, absolutely bully teams. And when you look at what they did last night, 13 of 16 plays on that drive were run plays. You like you don't you don't see that in the NFL, Dan. You don't see that anymore. And the Eagles, they can do that. And it's amazing to me. And, and I, I know people don't like this, but I like when teams find ways to win. And if your team finds a way to win, that means that overall it means you're a pretty good team if you could find a way to win. For the Eagles to be able to shift into another dominant form of offense, whether that be pass or run, in this case run, then damn it, you shift into that. And that's what they did last night against the Minnesota Vikings. And I think going into this game, 
the run game had to be a big factor in winning it. Not because I think Jalen Hurts all of a sudden sucks or he can't play anymore and last year was an anomaly and he'll never be a, an MVP candidate again. I think he will be. But in this first two weeks of the season, there's been struggles. And I think in this particular game against the Vikings with so many members of your secondary out and having guys like Justin Jefferson and – look, Kirk Cousins is not going to the Hall of Fame, Okay. But he can pick a defense apart. He can be extremely he's gonna go accurate. To the fantasy, he's going to go to the Fantasy oh. Football Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, I, I, totally, I totally agree with that. Uh, so you had to keep their receivers off the field. And the way you do that is, like you said, you go to time of possession, you go to uh, manage the clock, and that's what they did when they ran the ball 13 to 16 times and had such great success in doing it. So that, to me, changed the entire flow of the game. Obviously, the fumbles had a big part of that. But, you know, the Eagles were making plays on special teams as far as that concerned. Uh, before Avante Maddox got hurt, he forced that great fumble. Um, they were they were really taking advantage of that as far as the turnovers went. But I tip my hat to the Eagles in being able to create those turnovers. But, yes, when it came to the run, I think they said, all right, less is more from a passing game standpoint at this point. So Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts need to get on that same page and figure it out over the next couple of days here before they come back against the Bucs. I, I want to throw this at you here. Um, why is it so important for the, uh, the organization to have it so that Jalen Hurts is being trans? Here, I, I, I say this to people all the time about broadcasters like you and me. You get hired from a place. The first thing you do is the program director goes in and says, hey, I got a great idea to change your show. I'm going to add this. We got a nice benchmark for you. How about a partner over here you never met? You know, and, we, and you're going like this. Well, why the hell did you hire me? Right. I mean, what you do is you try changing who you are. I get a sense when I'm watching what they're trying to do offensively, they're kind of trying to change who Jalen – he's a power-running quarterback. He's the greatest Wildcat runner who can throw in the history of the league. He's unique. He's got a unique skill set. The things that they're trying to do in Chicago, Mark, they want that kid Fields to look like the kid in Philly because there's one of. You can't defend. You just said it. Hey, that guy can go from this to this. Well, Patrick Mahomes can't do that. He can't go from this to this. He can't. So why is the organization so, like, hell-bent on trying to make him a drop-back quarterback? I mean, dude. Play who he is. Let him be Jalen Hurts. And I think that's the difference between Shane Steichen and Brian Johnson. I think they're trying to force the ball down the field too much here. Let Jalen eat. Yeah, I, I love one of the things I heard from Nick Sirianni uh, in the in the offseason, uh, I should say in the preseason, talking about how why would they want to take away something that Jalen Hurts does great. Okay, so that's what they said, but what I've seen – it hasn't been that. It has been more along the lines of trying to get him to throw the football. Now, you could say that it is bastardizing his game and it's taking away what he does so well and trying to force him to do something else. But I think he can throw the football well. I think he can be accurate. We saw it last year. I think he can read a defense. It's a matter, I think, of your offensive coordinator and your coaching staff putting him in the best possible position to make those plays and make those throws. I like what Jalen Hurts had to say, and I still see it from Jalen Hurts. He likes to embrace the uniqueness of his game. That's what he said this preseason. I still believe he's trying to do that. 
I think the coaching staff is trying to steer him in a different direction. If the overall goal, Dan, is to be able to keep him safer, and I understand that guys get injured in the pocket too, but if he cannot take that big hit, if he cannot get all the weight on him like he did in Chicago that knocked him out of a couple of games last year, if he can avoid that injury by being able to sit in that pocket and deliver the football with great timing and accuracy and do it in a timely fashion, well, then that's going to keep him on the field more. I would like Jalen Hurts to play every game this year, and I still think the Eagles have a phenomenal shot of making it to the Super Bowl, and I think Jalen Hurts is going to bounce back from two rough games of the season with this team still being 2-0, and but you still have to embrace that uniqueness of his game, and I think ultimately the biggest problem in what we have seen so far this season is he is, for everyone that wanted to scream and yell about him being a one-read wonder last year, and everyone wanted to you know sling that mud at him, he's been that so far this year. Now, Here's the saving grace of that. Um, obviously, no preseason play. Uh, I think I think uh, Nick Sirianni is going to be walking that back pretty soon about having his starters play in the preseason. But uh, he played against Bill Belichick, and then he played against the disciple of Bill Belichick. All right, so those are two good defenses. And if they're not good defenses, they're certainly good schematic defenses where they can take away certain things. So I think one was a copy of the other. Now you have some time to rest, get to the drawing board, figure it out and then come out hopefully swinging. But what I saw from Jalen Hurts so far in the first uh, two games of the season, yeah, it's not the guy that I saw last year. I think a lot of that comes down to coaching, and maybe that coaching is getting inside his head a little bit where he's going to start to take himself away from the uniqueness of his game. Also, you know, hey, man, calling me crazy would be uh, like an understatement, so it's all good. I get it here, but... And I'm a big conspiracy theory guy, so you you can – nah, that's crazy, so it's all good. But is it me? But in the first game I'm watching, I saw him sliding before the guys were coming up onto him, and I saw him protecting himself more, and I go, you know, probably just one time. But I saw it four times. Yeah. And then last night, I also saw it a little bit that maybe the coaches are telling him, hey, look – we need you to play on Monday. We need we need you to we need you to play in the next play. So I mean, am, am I wrong, Mark? Am I seeing that a little bit that he's like it's like self preservation? I mean, I I I don't know if they're telling him that because he didn't play that way last year. I'm not. He's not reckless like the guy in Buffalo or the guy in Baltimore. Mm. But he just seems like I don't know. It, it looks like some business decisions going on there. I'll, I'll put it to you like this. It definitely raised my eyebrows in the first quarter, first possession. They throw the ball down deep to Devontae Smith. Um, he gets rid of the ball early, underthrows it a little bit, but still made the play in a pass rush coming in his face. DeAndre Swift did a good job of at least getting this blitzer off, off his mark uh, or off his route. Um, and the play after that, I think it was he had a run to the right where he tried to cut up field as opposed to just taking it outside. And it looked like he was just trying to get down. Um, shortly after that, I think it was their second possession of the game. He had a play where he was rolling to his left and he saw the pressure and just kind of went down and took a knee and ended up still getting hit. And then in the pocket, when it started to collapse on him a little bit throughout the game, you saw situations where instead of trying to fight, um, for a yard or to extend the play, he just went down. I don't business decision for your quarterback. I'm fine with if it's a wide receiver saying he's not going to go up and try to contest for a ball then I have a problem with it. But when it comes to Jalen Hurts, Maybe that is part of that whole trying to take the uniqueness of his game away. 
that was something that I did notice. I don't think you're crazy at all. It didn't look like I, I don't want to say like gingerly or overly cautious. I, maybe business decision was a bad phrase, but yeah. I, it just seems that you know they're he's aware of it. So he's, he's aware of more it. awareness of it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that. I I don't see him playing timid. I don't see no, him playing no. scared. No. But I think it, to, I think what you what I think you're trying to convey. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. I, I would put it more along the lines of the awareness of injury, which does trouble me. Yeah. Because you can't – you I mean, you play – you know the deal. No, no, you it's two years in a row he hasn't finished the season or he's yeah. missed some games in a yeah. season. And I think what you're saying, Mark, they want him to go 17. Yeah. Because they know they're going to need him. So I think – I do think that's a, 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 an issue. I got to say this to you now. A.J. Brown and, and uh, Jalen on the sidelines – you know, I don't. So I, I don't. I don't want to like I like to do with people. I don't want to like lead you to uh, the trough here on this. Let me get yeah. your thoughts first and foremost on it. What was your takeaway on that exchange? Uh, it sucks in today's world. It's like it's not so much what's going on because I believe right then and there they're competitors. Everybody wants to help everybody. It didn't look ridiculous. It didn't look like To and McNabb in Pittsburgh in uh, you know oh four where they were trying to talk and go around each other. You know. It didn't look like that. And you know they're best friends. You know, and I've seen those guys out, and they are besties. You know what I mean? So they're competitors, and they're trying to win a football game. And Nick Sirianni going in there to try to break it up, I think, I think it was nice, whatever. But when it comes to those two, I don't have a concern. I don't have a worry, not even a little bit. And you could see even during the game, and Seth Joyner pointed this out to me while we were watching the game in our green room last night. He said, like, look at this right here. You see Jalen Hurts going over. Jalen Hurts walked right over to A.J. Brown, and it was after that situation on the sideline, and you could basically – Seth Joyner said, this next play is going to A.J. Brown, and I think the very next play was the 12-yard 12 yard reception to A.J. Brown. I don't think there's an issue there. I think in the moment, everyone wants to help everybody, and Jalen Hurts addressed that. I like that Nick Sirianni just basically left it to the players. He said, I, I don't even know what happened. And they said, well, the camera caught you going in and saying something. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess it did, and that was it. He wouldn't say anything. That's the right attacked by a head coach. When it came to Jalen Hurts after the game, he was cool as anything. Just look, everyone wants to help. Dallas Goddard didn't get his touches uh, in week one. Uh, A.J. Brown, a little lacking on touches in this particular game. We decided to run the football, and that's the way it's shaped up, unfortunately, for A.J. Brown. But I don't believe that there's any rift, any issue. I don't think there's going to be anything lingering. In the moment, I don't think that's a problem. The, the bigger problem I have is that there'll be other people that will try to make a mountain out of a molehill when it comes to two guys trying to win a football game. Here, I, to me, I, I I tell people this, and if you know anything about uh, Italian women, like my wife here, um, you always understand one thing, okay? Uh. How you doing, honey? Is everything okay? Everything right? Y yes. Um, I have to go shopping. I have to buy some pottery pots. No problem, hon. I dropped one. I got it. Hey, look, we'll get another one. It's okay. It's my job to kind of calm the room down because – I Mark, you're gonna you're gonna die. But yesterday, asked Tone. I said this: You watch that guy doesn't get enough targets. He's gonna start complaining on the sidelines. Sure enough, he did. And they were up ten. And I'm going like, <laughs> it's just it's the, it's the modern position today. He's a high energy guy. That's not To. That's not Alshon Jeffries whispering in corners. That's not any of that stuff. To me, it's competitive guys that I do believe also that we're just trying to win a game because yeah. again, they know they need one another and they're not going to not target AJ Brown in games, even though the offense is limping right now. So I'm with you, dude. I don't, 
I, 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 I don't see anything, but you know what you're going to get? You're going to have people going like this uh, because they see all the Stefan Diggs and the Josh Allen stuff up in Buffalo. That's, that's a completely different conversation. Diggs wants more personnel around him and they need it. He's talking about, hey, I'm here to help you win also. So, I mean, it, it's funny how people can take that one little tiny anthill and just drop something on there and just turn it into a grenade. I, look, I, I I think a lot of Eagles fans, myself included, because, man, when T.O. came to town, I was a college kid at Temple University, and it was like, this is it. This is the man we've been waiting for. And then they, they roll through that season, and he gets hurt, but they still make the Super Bowl. And then it just blew up. We thought we were going to have this thing in Philadelphia for five, five, maybe five more years. Like, it was an incredible thing. And then it was two personalities that were – Great talent-wise, a perfect match talent-wise, but two personalities that just could not were not built for sustained success. But I think A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts, they have both the personalities to get along for a long time. Obviously, personally, that's there. And then, as you said, when it comes to the game, they need each other to have success. And overall, having already been to a Super Bowl and having things not blow up, um, I'm pretty confident those two will be just fine and dandy going forward. How about this, Mark? I'm, I'm going to start naming DeAndre Swift Casper the Ghost. Now you see him, now you don't. I mean, what he did last night, is this going to be something that solidifies his place now? Where See, I thought for sure them getting him in and him, them trying to figure, I still think they got to figure his place out in this offense to what, what his role is in this offense. And personally, I think that also could be playing into Mark, the spreading out and the distributing of the football. I mean, you yeah. see the limited touches. You're also going like this. Well, we want to get Swift. He had 28 carries. He had the most touches of anybody in the ball game outside the quarterback, right? So maybe it really is more about defining the roles in these first two games. And we're kind of lucky it's the Patriots and the, the, the Vikings. Two great D coordinators. Sure. Two great D coordinators, but – Swiss roll. How do you see this thing going up, going forward here? Well, um, I think most people realized it was going to be, for the most part, a running back by committee. And Kenny Gainwell was going to get the first opportunity to be the hot hand. And you always ride the hot hand. There's no hotter hand right now in the NFL than DeAndre Swift. So coming out <laughs> against the Buccaneers, there's no way Brian Johnson or Nick Sirianni can say, oh, well, Kenny Gainwell is going to get the first touch out of the backfield for the Eagles on Monday Night Football. Like hell he is. DeAndre Swift was exactly the running back you wanted to see him be when they traded for him. You wanted to see him be able to run the ball out of the backfield. You wanted to see him make a couple of catches, which he did in this game. He had two touches, Sills. He had two touches in week one. He gets 28 carries. He had 31 <laughs> touches in all in this game. And every single one of them, I, I read a stat from Shio Kapati of um, uh, The Athletic that said efficiency, as far as run efficiency, this is the most efficient run game the Eagles had in 12 years. Wow. And that was insane to read that. And then I look at the reaction to Jordan Mailata in the locker room after the game. And they said, hey, what would you make of uh, DeAndre Swift? And he goes, honestly, I don't even know how many touches he had. I know he had a touchdown or how many yards he had. I know he had 171. Holy bleep. And then they asked uh, Devontae Smith about it, and he goes, oh, yeah, he's a bad mother. You know, uh, he had a phenomenal game. There's no way the Eagles can deny him another opportunity to have that kind of success. Now, here's the thing. I almost hope he doesn't have the opportunity to have that much success again because that means that the Eagles are now terrified after this long layoff of what 
they're trying to do with Jalen Hurts or what Jalen Hurts is doing in this year after he looked like a perennial MVP quarterback. Now I'm not at the panic button. No. I don't even I don't even have the glass off the panic button when it comes to that with Jalen Hurts. But if DeAndre Swift has to have another game like this, this means that you're not doing well as an offense in the passing game. And uh, my big thing is, and this was my issue in the first year as a starter with Jalen Hurts, when he was running the football a lot, even more so than the, than the following season, is that it's never a good thing if you're a quarterback and they say, okay, we know, you know what we need from you? Less. Like, <laughs> you do less and then we'll be, we'll be better. All you got to do is be a game manager and we'll be just fine. And whenever we call on you to throw the ball, just don't throw an interception. That's not a good thing for a quarterback. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. Like I said, I am very optimistic. No, I, I don't want yeah. a Ferrari to drive like a VW. That's, that's what I'm looking for, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm, I'm not wildly concerned. It's on my radar because you don't want to see him play the way he played in these first two games. And bottom line, look. You could say it's the offense. You could say it's the run game. You could say it's the offensive line, and all those things are true. You're two and zero, all right. Yeah, and like Nick, like Nick Sirianni said, it's better to be two and zero and have those mistakes to correct than zero and two and still be like, all right, well, what the hell are we going to do now? We can't. How are we going to correct this stuff? And we've already lost two games. Last question for you. Now, I, you've you've worked in that market for quite some time. And I'm going to give you what Angelo said about Sirianni, and I want to hear your take on him. Well, and I I happen to agree with Angelo on this one. You know, he comes out after the um, New England game. He tries telling me how great Brian Johnson was as a play caller in that game. And I go, that's a bull-faced lie. Once again, falling on the sword for coaches. It's not going to cut it, especially in a city that you've worked in, Mark, that people know exactly when someone's BSing them. Angelo thinks that guy is a bookworm and he doesn't think really much of him because again, I mean, he's, this is how he show. And the great example of that is this, the special teams. I mean, and that new England game, Mark, I mean, you know, you're telling me Michael Clay's a good coach. Why is he still there? I mean, you have pre-snap penalties because you can't line up. Now I thought they were better last night a little bit, but, not by a ton, okay? But, I mean, give me your take on Sirianni because at times he looks like he's the perfect guy and the perfect fit. And at other times, when I watch him, when they really need to have a come-to-Jesus conversation with their coaches, I, I look at him and go, he's getting out-coached. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I, I really like Nick Sirianni. I know this is going to come off bad, but – I always want coaches to be open and honest. I always want them to be transparent. I always want, as a fan, uh, for the fan base, I should say, I don't want a coach to ever, you know, what's the old expression? You know, pee on your shoes and tell you it's raining. Like, that's not – you don't you don't want that. You want, well, that's you want, what he did after New England. Yeah, and he's done that before, and a lot of head coaches have done that. Andy Reid was the king of that. But ultimately, do you want – Michael Clay to be a better special teams coordinator? Do you want Brian Johnson to be a better offense coordinator? Because here's the alternative. Now, look, it's going to be easier to work for that guy when he's going to bat for you in the media and then in the meeting room, and I wouldn't put it past Nick Sirianni in the meeting room to be like, what the hell, guys? Like, you're going to leave me out to dry when it comes to this special teams unit? Brian Johnson, you're not going to get on the same page with your receivers and your quarterback? What the hell are we doing out there? You're the play caller. So if you want them to improve, you want to at least know that they're going to be working their asses off for a coach that's going to have their back. Now, I don't think that lasts forever. There's going to come a point if this does, if stuff does hit the fan, for instance, 
if they have this long layoff and then they come out Monday night against the Bucks and they look like they can't get on the same page again, then there's no hiding behind it. Then that conversation starts of, does Nick Sirianni need to take over play calling? My own personal opinion, that would be a very bad thing. However, if that's the best thing with Brian Johnson, Brian Johnson is terrible and he has failed miserably at being the offensive coordinator, if that's the case. Now, uh, I think this is going to be such a judgment game Monday night against the Bucs because you don't have the excuse anymore like, oh, there's rust. You don't have the excuse anymore. Oh, it's short rest. You don't have the excuse anymore. Oh, well, you know what? These these guys have zero experience. You got two games under your belt as an offensive coordinator. Sean Desai, with his one year of experience as a defensive coordinator, is running circles around Brian Johnson as far as those training wheel coaches that you mentioned. But for me, I think it's all going to come down to this Monday night game against the Bucs where really people will really start to have that concern about Nick Sirianni, about Brian Johnson, and the future of this Eagles offense. Absolutely. Great stuff, Mark. Um, hey, tell folks where they can see you and your show. I watch it a lot. Thank you, brother. And I'm so happy that we connected here, man, because same thing with Anthony Gargano. I mean, I don't know, Anthony. We reached out to one another, and all of a sudden he's like, hey, hey. I go, listen, if you want to be <laughs> – if you're in a tiny and you want to speak in a city, there's no other place in America than in Philadelphia. If you're a Paisan, it's like Paisan Row. I'll make sure I tell Tony Bruno next hour hi for you, too. Oh, yeah. One of the great legends, too, man. I, I love appreciate Tony. you doing this. You got to do it again, brother. It would be my, it would be my absolute pleasure. I, I think, let's see here. I think Mike is Sicilian. Uh, I think Angelo is Abruzzese. I think Tony's Sicilian. I'm Colin. Yeah, my, my father's. Yeah. Yeah, I think my my well, I don't think my father's Calabrese, so okay. I, I'm glad to, I'm glad to represent the Calabrese uh, faction of the sports talking Italians up here in Philadelphia. Yeah, you know Sicilians and Calabrese, you know, we're, we're we're kind of almost paisans. Yeah, testador, yeah, <laughs> testador. Hey, at least you're not Navi Don. You know those guys Ooh. are friends. It's all good. <laughs> you said it, I did it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Great hanging with you, Sills. You bet, man. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it, my friend. See you, my friend. Mark Farzetta there. Don't forget, Tony Bruno will be with us also at 4.30 in hour number two. I want to get to some of the topics here now. Um, Interesting, too, because, again, what you're going to get with this football team here now, he's right. you got 10 days to do something here. You know when those 10 days, what you got a chance to do? You got a chance to correct some of the mistakes and maybe get a little bit healthy. Injuries are clearly a problem on this team now, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I do want to ask this question. Why are the Eagles trying to make Jalen Hurts a drop-back quarterback? He's not. He is a power-running, throwing, unique quarterback. Can I tell you why I think Brian Johnson and the Eagle offense is struggling? Because they're trying to redefine the player. They are trying to redefine him. That's why when he goes out in the perimeter and runs, well, I think they are. That's why when he gets out in the perimeter and he's running, he's ducking. Because they're cognizant of that. They're concerned about his health out in the perimeter running. Okay? Let Jalen Cody be Jalen. I completely agree. I completely agree. Hey, 
I like I, I like Callie Green when he said, "Hey, so you guys feel just as confident being two and zero as you were two and zero last year? How's that one for you? You feel as comfortable or less?" Right now, Jalen is a awful passer. Awful. Batman. Hurts has been outplayed by two quarterbacks who would never be drafted in the first round if you were to put him in a draft today. <laughs> you would never. I feel Hertz needs to return to last year's passing form. Yeah, that's running the ball. And 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 by the way, this is why when Tone brought those statistics up, when Tone brought those statistics up about three dudes in your huddle last year, caught 67% of the footballs, made me think he's one read guy. I disagree with Mark. I think he is a one read guy. I think he's always been a one-read guy. You know why? Because RPO is designed for one-read guys. It's not designed for multiple progression reading quarterbacks. It's not designed for that. You think he sits back in the pocket the same way Josh Allen does and looks over or Burrow or any of those other guys? That's not who he is. Embrace it. You're fighting it. You want Jalen Hurts to be in the same conversation with all those quarterbacks, and he'll never. He's a unique one of. There's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with teams. Hey, do you know one of the worst, one of the most difficult teams to prepare for every year? One of the most difficult teams to prepare for every year is Navy. Why? Because they run the triple option and no one runs it. And no one prepares for it. It's the most, and that's why you always see Navy in games against really good teams. And you're like, they're one dimensional. They don't really do anything great, but no one sees that offense. You don't see it on a weekly basis. You just don't. H hard to prepare for Hurts. Hard to prepare for Hurts. Hey, JoJo goes, we're not 0 2. Boy, you sure sucked in your first two games. I'll tell you that. That's not a that's not a Super Bowl team. You are not a Super Bowl team right now. The 49ers and Cowboys are better than you in the NFC. Totally better. They're, they're, I mean, I don't know about you, but they're 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 out of the gate better. We'll see. Look, I'll tell you what, we'll we'll walk that back and we'll make that comment on Monday. The 49ers. If the, we'll walk that back, and I'll say this. Let's save that till Monday. Let's save that till Monday because I want to see uh, game two for the Cowboys and because I got to see Dak do more. Okay? I'm going to walk that back, and I'll, 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 I will. I'll walk that back because I want to see the 49ers and the Cowboys play this weekend because um, it's not fair to say that just after game one. They've only played one week. That's week two. But to me, I thought that performance last night, compared to the performance against New England, your pass defense is terrible still. It's not gotten any better, and it's getting worse. 
but the injury factors playing um, a point in that. I don't think even when you get those healthy guys back, you're going to be better. Now, Bradbury, yes. When you get Bradbury back, yes, that'll be a huge, that'll be a huge improvement. Okay. Yes. That's right. Good thing the Super Bowl isn't now. Damn right. Damn right. What did I say about the the running backs? Yeah. Rest of those dudes in your backfield are just dudes. Swift's the only guy we liked. And yet you de- almost deactivated him in week one. <laughs> I mean, I'm not contradicting shit, dude. What are you talking about? Senor, anytime someone says that to me, you just listen to 2% of the shit that so you can plug into your own little feeble brain. So, Avante Maddox, is it true? Torn Peck, he's out. Mm. No, I never said they're all dudes. That's not what I said. I said Swift. We like Swift. We said it the whole time. That's a lie. Tone's my producer. I said, those other dudes are dudes. Swift is a guy you got to... But they treated Swift like a dude in game one. Okay? I want to talk about Jordan Davis. Look at these numbers here, too, for Jefferson. 11 catches, 159. Obviously, the fumble takes away that performance. Completely takes away that performance. Tony Bruno's going to join us in hour number two. Hey, don't forget, you know, I, I, heard, I heard people were just all over the place, okay? All over the place at all seven of the locations with the Hooters folks. And we are so thankful for those folks going into the places. Go to northeasthooters.com to find a location nearest you. You enjoyed yourself. You had a great time. You watched the Eagles get a victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Some of you even went to Hooters2Go.com. You got the food. You brought it back to your crib. You had a great time. Do me a favor, though. Go into any one of the seven locations Tuesday. Buy 10 wings. Get 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, a 40-year tradition. In the 40th anniversary of Hooters, the iconic Hooter girls are there for you to have a great time with and Serve you the great food that they have on the menu. 1983, that's the year the place was founded. All you can eat. Kids eat for free on Saturdays. Go to northeasttutors.com to find one of the seven locations in the Northeast area, especially the King of Pressure one where we're going to be at. Do me a favor. Appreciate you guys doing all this for us. And when you go into Hooters, tell them Big Seal sent you.
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. Yeah, I like to report a missing person in Nolan Smith. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where he is. Have you seen him? Yeah. Yeah, Georgia Bulldog kid. I think he plays with the Eagles. I know he was drafted there, but I haven't seen him. Yeah. Yeah. Can you do me a favor? Can you find them? Throw SOSs out. Do something. I know they have a guy out there. Well, he hasn't been very good either, Reddick. Okay. You'll keep an eye out for Nolan? Thank you very much. Goodbye. Woo! Where's Nolan Smith? In week one, the Niners ran the ball 34 times, passed the 29. Cowboys 30 times, passed the 25. Dak barely completed 50% of his passes. Eagles, Niners, and Cowboys have led their defenses, and so far neither passing game has been prolific. I don't know, man. I watched that 49er offense move to change anytime they felt like either throwing it or running it. They were so balanced. It was crazy great. It was just crazy great. Ton of three and outs. They were good on both sides of the ball. Eagles have the worst pass defense in the league right now. <laughs> At least one of them. Okay? You ain't seen anything least on those two football teams. Not right now. And one of those teams ran a goose egg on a team, a division opponent. I mean, they threw a goose egg on them. So... Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Like, again, I want—I told you, I'd back it up because I want to see how the Niners and Cowboys play. Steelers have no pass defense. They have a pro bowler back there. You have ungots, nothing. Oh, by the way, you know who you have? 
Josh Job, he sucks. Don't talk to me about that kid. I don't want to hear his name anymore. He's not very good. That guy's not good. Okay, no thank you. I'll have another. I'll have another. Not good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, I thought I thought Josh Sweat played very good. Okay? I thought Josh Sweat was good. I thought he did a really good job rebounding back from what was the suspect game against the Patriots. Okay? I thought he came back and he played really well. I'm going to say something here about Jordan Davis here in a second. Run game was absolutely dominant. Miles who? No, you had to be. You can't pass the ball right now. You have to be. You have to go back to who you are. It's almost like the Eagles are fighting their identity. Trying to be a passing team and you're not, really. You're a one-read team. That's why one guy gets the touches and the rest of them don't. Even Kirk Cousins spread it around. Jefferson had 11 catches, Hawkinson 7, Addison at 72 yards, Hawkinson at 66, Jefferson at 159. Here are your guys. Devontae Smith, 131, 29, and 22. That ain't actually spreading it around. I mean, if you actually look at that 193, you kind of look at it and go, where were the yards? It's one guy on four catches. <laughs> I mean, not really super targets here. Not really great targeting. Your quarterback's struggling. Now, I think there's a couple things going on here behind the scenes. Is he getting the best coaching? Is he getting the best coaching right now? I wonder. You know, I tell you this all the time. Coaching matters in the NFL. It does. It could change the fortunes of a quarterback. That's Carson Wentz. Could change the fortunes. Hey, you think you think Patrick Mahomes is the same guy if Andy Reid's not his play caller? I don't. Tell you this. I mean, I've seen great quarterbacks go into places and all of a sudden the new play callers in the building. And before you know it, guess what? You have a shitty year. Okay. Dan's reading off a bunch of stats from a team that lost who gives a shit. I guarantee the people at the NovaCare Center do. They got empty calorie stats. So let me get this up. We were up 20. Here, here's a, that's a great point right there on the super chat. Hey, Tone, put that up. Please put that up. That's super chat. Because I think it's a telling story in your first two games. LJ goes, we were up 27 to 7. They got empty calorie stats. You were also up 16 nothing, and another team came back on you. So now what you're telling me in the last two games, you allow teams back into games because of why? So you're getting these leads and giving the lead up. 
Are you going to continue that all year long? In two games, one game you had a 16-point lead, another game you had a 20-point lead against two teams that no one looks at right now and considers playoff teams. Minnesota's not a playoff team with that defense. That's not good enough. They got really good offensive weapons, as we said yesterday. So let me get this right. LJ just pointed out another deficiency on the Eagles. So you were up by 20. And in the first game, way to go, LJ. And you were up 16. And you allowed teams to come back and have one possession games on you. Does that sound like a team that closes teams out? We let teams back last year and got to the Super Bowl. You're not as good this year. Your offense is limping. Your defense is nowhere. You will finish around 27th in pass defense this year. They're averaging 330 yards a game on you already with Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins. Well, Bradbury will be back. Well, he played in the first game, didn't he? The only reason the 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 only reason the Vikings weren't good enough was because they just have, don't have good players. Belichick has a good defense. The Bucks have one. Bucks have one. Niners are passing team with 203 yards and they put up 31-7 and closed teams out 31-7 Cowboys 40 to nothing those games were close those games were not close They were actually not competitive for 60 minutes. They were not competitive. They were non-competitive games. You play last possession games. That's right. Convince yourselves you're doing good. Somebody who is doing well, and we have to address it, is indeed the play of Jordan Davis. And again, like I started the program out. By the way, Tony Bruno will join us at the bottom of the hour. Um, I told you this a long time ago. Dan, I love it when you shake your head and yell. Like a bobblehead? <laughs> um, you always address when a player starts to pick his game up. Now, again, this is not an excuse. This is what it is. Two offensive lines that he's played on have been terrible. However, again, they're NFL guys. That's not an excuse. It's absolutely not an excuse. It's just what's going on here. Your job as a frontline starter when you have that is to become a focal point in your defense where if you are playing lesser players and backups, It's your responsibility to take advantage of that matchup, and he is. 
I mean, that backup center was bull rushed, I don't know how many times, back into the quarterback. That guy had, I mean, he had a rough night last night. He had a rough night. And Davis was pushing his face in last night. Let me say this to you, too. Um, Jalen Carter and him in the middle in there, I think it's inspired Fletcher Cox. I think the best part of your defense right now, along with Milton Williams, along with Milton Williams, I think that's the best part of your defense right now. I mean, those four guys, in the hey, in the first two games, if I'm going to go knee deep in on Jalen like this, let me say this to you about the first two games um, about those four in the rotation. Are they better than Linville Joseph, Sue, Hardgrave, Fletcher? Boy, they look awful athletic. And they look awful dominant. I mean, it, I, you know, I, I'll tell you what. It's two games in a row. We're getting to a point now where it's becoming a trend. Now, the Bucks. what's the center's name? Hey, Yale, what's the center's name? Jensen? He's an all-pro. Jensen's an all-pro. So this is going to be a good test. Big Sills, what's up with those defensive fronts with nobody over the center? What are the Eagles doing? Um... The whole, I, I actually thought last night, I actually thought last night the defense was the reason that the team won the game, especially up front with what Carter and Davis were doing. And then two things won that game for the Eagles last night. The ability to run the ball and the pressure they got at least in stopping the run. That was the game. You even heard Al Michaels making fun of the Eagles Southwest Conference, old Arkansas triple option last night. He was basically making fun of it. I sure hope we see some more passes in the game. I thought Josh Sweat played really well. Hassan Reddick has been a non-factor. It's got, hey, will I give Hassan Reddick the benefit of the doubt because of the injury? Yes. Because he's been too good for the last three years. Yes. That's right, Barb. That's a high school offense I'm watching right now. It's like one of them old high schools that like to run the ball 375 times and kind of throw it when they have to. It looks like Jamal Holloway. I mean, thing is just and, – and, and now you get the bitching on the sidelines. Yeah, they have to. You're damn right they have to run the ball like that. It's Ryan Jensen, I think, but he's out for the season. Okay, so it's Ryan Jensen. Okay. So do you, hey, he, Ryan Jensen's out. That's that, I, What I love about football is that it's the ultimate team sport. One side of the ball isn't playing up to snuff the other side, can pick up the slack and still win. That's a sign of a good team. It will all come together. I'm in the Zen mode. You have to be in the Zen mode. You have to have blind faith right now. Absolutely, you have to have blind faith. You have to have blind faith in the belief that you think you have it and will get together because you have blind faith in Jalen. But again, 
most most football players have blind faith in their coaches tone it, it's it's not it's not uncommon especially with somebody you believe in it's it's not a rip it's it's actually what coaches want their players to have in them hey believe me if i put an offense together we're going to score a lot of points even though you've never seen it you're hoping it happens that's blind faith okay like when you hire these new coordinators you have to have blind faith that they're good you don't really know that when you draft a player it's blind faith okay when the losses start piling up i'll start looking for the ejection um the eject button okay show's over who cares as long as we win until we get it fixed um here's what we do then it's a good point what do the eagles have to do over the next 10 days before the buccaneers now let me ask you this is that is that game at um is the buck game at home the buck game's at home right it's not down in tampa in the heat okay it's it's it's, it's at home right by the way, Tony Bruno is going to join us in a couple minutes. It's in Tampa. Hmm. Interesting. It's in Tampa with the 90-degree humi- humidity. Monday night. Well, okay, that'll be all right because it won't be raining. Usually around 3 o'clock every day it rains. Humidity comes out, and it's a nightmare. And it's the third game. You're in September still. Could It could, it could be really awful down there. Hard to breathe when you're down there that early in the year. We used to take advantage of that all the time. We used to get those fat asses from the University of Michigan to come down to Miami and play down at the Orange Bowl. 99 humidity, 99 uh, temperature. And these guys would just melt like butter in a pan. And you got some big horses up there. I don't know if that plays a factor. Probably not because Davis looks like he's in better shape. Okay. Davis looks like he's in better shape this year. How do you how do you fix Hurts in the next 10 days? What do you do? What would be the number one thing you would do if you're Jalen Brian Johnson? And by the way, I think it would be an absolutely horrific move to put Nick Sirianni back as a play caller. Doesn't know what to do in RPOs. It's not his forte. He's a traditional seven-step drop guy and designs plays for those quarterbacks like Phillip Rivers, not for Jalen Hurts. That's why he was two and five. Okay? He's not the answer. I don't know you have the answer except for the quarterback. The quarterback is the answer. How do you fix this? What would be the number? Hey, everyone wants to rip Brian Johnson. What's the number one thing you have to fix? I need to figure out what he's seeing and not seeing. I need to find out why he's hesitant. Isn't that on the quarterback? So, like, are are, are we sitting here saying that Brian Johnson is in Jalen Hurts' way and that's why Jalen Hurts is not performing well? That's like telling me that a hitting coach for the Phillies is the reason why you're not hitting home runs or driving runs in. 
Is it this player accountability too? Now, I'm not saying he's not part of this, but if you think about it, Shane Steichen, you, you have to remember, Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon had the advantage of playing shitty teams and shitty quarterbacks and not, and not very good football teams in a weak schedule. They had the advantage of not lining up against good teams. You're lining up against experienced quarterbacks. How many inexperienced quarterbacks did you play last year? Ten? Davis Mills? Cooper Rush? Those bums? Kenny Pickett? Let's, hey, the guys I just named are not as good as Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins. Those guys know where to go with the ball. Plus, they got good coaching. That coach in Minnesota, can, he, he's a good play caller. He's a good play caller. Okay? He's a good play caller. I mean, yeah, that's right. Hollywood. I mean, they played against Spider Rico last year at quarterback. Hey, Kirk Cousins, like I told Mark Farzetta, Kirk Cousins is not going to Hall of Fame, but he's going to Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> that guy put numbers up. And, and, and it's funny, LJ, LJ throws some dumb stuff at me and says that, you know, we had a 27-7 lead. And I'm like, yeah, the second game in a row, you allowed teams to come back in on you. It's not, it's not a good argument, kid. You might want to try with a little bit something, a little bit more Tabasco sauce on it and telling me that you're giving leads up. Tone's right, though, about one thing. Oh, many things. But he's right about this. You're 2-0. Good things. Teams find ways to win. True. But what becomes the problem is, is when you start telling me how deep your roster is and one guy goes out and it's a train wreck. Cousin puts up numbers when games are over. No, he was down 20 and came back on you. LJ, you don't get Eagle fans. Only stat that matters is W's. <laughs> okay? And 9-1 and one in the last 20. Those are pathetic numbers. Because the only one that matters is 1-0. The last game of the year. Empty calories. 19, and, 19 wins, Sills. And where's it gotten you? Out coached in the Super Bowl. This is about winning championships, not about looking good at the parade. Or being in the Miss America pageant. Hey, I made it to Miss America. Did you win it? No. <laughs> okay. As Tone would say, at least I showed up for the bar exam. It didn't pass it, but hey, I showed up for it. Congratulations to you. I know you, oh, hey, this is like the Andy Reid um, era again a little bit here. 
Now you're right there. You're right there. You're right there. Look at it. You're right there. Hey, hey, instead of bitching at me, what would be the first thing you would do in these 10 days to help Hertz? What would you do? Instead of being upset with me, what would you do? The same for the 49ers and Cowboys also, Sills. Sure. I'll tell you what, man. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what's going on this week, but this is like pasta fazool heaven. And I don't know. I got I mean, I had Angelo Cataldi on early in the week, and I had Missinelli on. I just had Farset on. I mean, if you're a Paisan and you want to talk some sports, man, you got to go to Philly. There's only one place that they accept Italians. And because of the absolute godfather of Italians and a guy who I admire, one of my dear friends, Tony Bruno, joins us here, one of the legendary voices in Philly. How are you, brother? I'm good, Dan. Sorry. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, got you good. Okay. All right, good. Because I don't. It's funny. I don't hear myself, so I, I'm not talking too loud, right? As a problem. No, you All right, beautiful. Well, now it's great to be back. It's been a crazy summer, but you know, I, I'm not in Philly anymore. I'm in Southwest Florida, as you know. One year ago, when the hurricane hit, we moved down here, and so now you know we're getting ready for the one-year anniversary of, of the hurricane last year. So Miss Robin and I are enjoying the Florida weather. We love it down here, but you know, I'm still locked in. As much as I like that your Canes last night, who didn't cover the number against Bethune Cookman, though. And I think a lot of the gamblers are not happy with that, Dan. How do you explain that? And you know, it's an outrage. <laughs> it's an out. <laughs> it's an outrage. It's all I could say to you. It's an outrage. Hey, Tone, how's the health, brother? It's okay. I mean, I've had some issues, but luckily, I'm I'm feeling better now. You know, I lost weight. Uh, I'm doing everything I can to get in shape. You know, it's hard when you get when you when you're 71. You don't feel like working out every morning. But I've been outside. You know, working on my boat, working on a trailer, just. You know, and even in the heat, I've lost I've lost like 30 pounds since the beginning of the year. So that's not because I'm sick. That's because I'm outside sweating. And that's what you got to do. You got to get outside. You got to enjoy the fresh air, even though it's hot and humid down here. People are like, why how can you take the humidity in southwest Florida? I love humidity. I'd rather be doing this than cold. So I grew up in the northeast. I've lived in cold weather. I've lived in warm weather. I lived in L.A. And so it, I can adapt to whatever. But I love living near the water. And that's what I did when I moved to L.A. and we were working out there. I wanted to live near the beach. I didn't want to live in the valley. And when I moved to Florida, I wanted to live near the water. I don't want to live in the middle of the state. And when I wanted to go to the middle of the state, go to Disney and Orlando, I drive to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, hey, Tone, let me, let, before I start out with uh, this first two games, which have not looked very good for the Eagles here, let me ask you something. Jeffrey Lurie goes into – his 30th year this year as the owner of the Eagles since he bought it from Norman Brayman. He's got one Super Bowl championship. You think he's over or underachieved as an owner? I think I think he's uh, – I don't know if overachieved. I think that there was there were some times when people were like, what are you doing? Remember, we went through the whole rich coat tight era, and he gave, you know, he gave uh, Buddy Ryan a chance, and he gave uh, – he also gave uh, Rich Coat tight a chance. 
And then we moved on. And, you know, Doug Peterson, people were like, what are you doing hiring Doug Peterson? And all Doug Peterson did was take a team to the Super Bowl and win it. You know, obviously, Andy Reid was there forever. And the fans in Philadelphia loved Andy Reid. But Andy Reid, whether it's his fault or Donovan McNabb's or whatever, or the defense, you know, Donovan McNabb was a great quarterback who just couldn't get over the hump. He got into a Super Bowl, their first against the Patriots down in, in Jacksonville, and they couldn't get it done. And they lost by three points. So I think I think Jeffrey Lurie is one of those owners. He listens to his people. You know, people were wanting to get rid of Howie Roseman just a couple of years ago after they didn't they didn't draft Justin Jefferson. You know, and, and they made some bad draft picks. You know, especially with receivers. I mean, when you know when they took the, Nelson Aguilar actually turned out to be a pretty decent player, and he's still playing in the league. So you go back and watch Aguilar play. You know, Aguilar then fell into disfavor with the fans because he dropped some balls and then. And a lot of people turned on him. But but the one guy that really hurt him, but they were able to get over that, is what's what's his face? The guy that they drafted instead of Je- Justin Jefferson. Right. Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager was one of the worst draft picks ever. But the good thing about Jeffrey Lurie and this organization, people wanted Howie Roseman go. Remember, he hired Chip Kelly, gave him the whole package, and then Chip Kelly had one or two good years, and then he basically flamed out. So Jeffrey's not he's not a guy who's going to hire a coach and fire a coach after one good or bad season. But now, with, you know, with, with with Sirianni, Sirianni, at least I'll give him credit for this. He knew he made a mistake after that that uh, game up there in, in uh, New England last week. He said, you know what? In retrospect, I should have I should have played some of my starters. When you get a new defensive coordinator, a new offensive coordinator and a whole bunch of new players, especially in the defensive secondary, which was decimated last week and was decimated even more against the Vikings. You know, I think these guys look at their mistakes, acknowledge them and say, all right, what do we have to do to get better? And obviously the Vikings, you know, and and Brian Flores saw what happened in New England and did the same thing. Let's send pressure. And it worked. And then the Eagles, I'm screaming at the TV, run the damn ball. And I had no, I had no idea. I had no idea that, they were going to have a running back go 175 yards in the game. So they're willing to try different things. And I'm screaming at the TV because Jalen Hurts was running for his life. And I'm saying they're going to get him hurt, just like we saw with Aaron Rodgers. The first four plays, you could see Aaron Rodgers was pretty good at moving around. He had no chance in that game. And in the fourth play, he gets knocked out for the season. And that's what I was worried about Jalen Hurts, because obviously he was feeling the pressure. But then when they started making adjustments and started running the ball, and both teams were sloppy. I mean, it was a preseason game the way it was played in the first half. But to me, the Eagles running the football helped them. And, you know, they also had help from their defense causing some turnovers. And they also had the biggest help is when Jefferson, you know, put the ball and had to go out of bounds or else the Eagles could have easily lost that game. Absolutely. Tone, let me, let me throw this at you here. I mean, you know, Jalen Hurts played really, has really played well for one year. And, you know, do you have enough of a sample size to sit there, and especially after the first two games, not a lot of things have changed personnel-wise on that side of the ball. I clearly know Brian Johnson and him, there's a disconnect because, to me, it looks like 2021 Jalen Hurts where it's one read stuff. Guys are streaking across the field on the backside, wide open. You saw A.J. Brown bitching on the sideline about not getting throws to him a little bit. I mean, do you think, again, I don't want, and it's not over, it's just, have you really seen enough of Hurts to go, this kid's an elite player here because first two games for me, 
I don't know, man. It just does. It looks like 2021 hurts. I, I disagree, Dan. I mean, obviously, based on the first two games, the entire team hasn't looked good. But the thing I really like about Jalen Hurts, he's a stand-up guy. He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't blame anybody else. After the game, I'm watching his interview, and he's saying, you know, A.J. Brown's my, my best friend. And so he knows that's going to happen. You know, and, and receivers are divas, and you know that. But the good thing is what he did, and it could have hurt them. He After that little thing on the sideline, he was trying to force the ball to A.J. Brown, and he threw a touchdown pass to him that was called back on a holding penalty, and then he tried another ball, which almost connected. So I think him, you know, he wants to – because remember last week, Dallas Goddard didn't get one ball thrown to him. And so when you have an offense that was clicking on all cylinders last year, regardless of who was out there, you know, you start wondering why is this team all of a sudden inept on offense? But when you look at Hurts and you know that he's still – that you know that that buck chapon. What do we? What do they call that thing when they push him from behind now? The uh, the the, the, the Philly shove, the, 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 no, the, the, butt, the butt shove. I think it's called the butt shove. Oh, yeah. yeah, they do that in some neighborhoods too. But you know that's a different <laughs> butt shove. We're talking about. <laughs> I mean that play. It's unstoppable. They're on the goal line. He's a yard behind the line of scrimmage. And nobody has run. Remember, Tom Brady always would, would you know, go for it on fourth down, and he'd always get the first down, right? Or he'd score from the one-yard line. Jalen Hurts has taken it to the next level, and the league wanted to stop that. But, you know, I, I, I don't have a problem with it as long as guys aren't pulling him in from the front. And so it, they'll probably go back and look at it again. But, you know, for all the, you know, the numbers weren't great and everything else, the guy scored like three touchdowns. And I'm not talking for fantasy purposes. I just still, I still think, Jalen Hurts is a guy, when you look at his face, he doesn't look down when things are going bad, and he doesn't look down or up too high when things are going bad. And he knows it, but they're 2-0, and and as ugly as those games are, they got two important wins there. You know, And that's why now you have to think about coming to Tampa Bay, and I'm going to hope to go out there for that Monday night around the 25th, and we'll get to see the Bucks again this week. You need week. tickets? Yeah, you got it. You got. You got. Yeah, yeah. I'll call, I'll, call, I'll call him up for you. I need to go. I need to go. Drive you right and up there Robin? to Tampa. You and Miss Robin. Miss, yeah, Miss Robin and I yeah, we need right. to go. Yeah. Raymond James said, Robin and I will even go over to Mons Venus after the game, <laughs> win or lose. I need. To I get don't know back what you're in. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Just make sure you tell Joe Redner. Big Sill says hi. Not that I know I, him. <laughs> I, by the way, I still have my six-foot ruler from one back in the day. Remember, they had a Super Bowl there one year, and then the city, uh, the city government said we cannot have our girls being touched. Uh, by, you know, so we're going to institute a six-foot rule. So when you go into the club, legendary club that's known internationally, known, uh, you know, they had this. So WDAE, the station we were both working for, came up with this great idea, handing out six-foot tape measures with the station's call letters on the side. So that when you went in there, you and, and Redner, the owner, loved the idea because then everybody could be legal. You open up that, that tape measure, you were six feet away, everything was copacetic, man. That's what I like. I like cooperation between the ladies and the football fans and the uh, and the sports community. That's what it's all about. It's a brotherhood and sisterhood. We you all know, come well, together. my wife took my ruler away from me years ago. Right? <laughs> 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 I just, you know, I don't know, I don't know where to go. Listen, Angelo, I want to I want to ask you your opinion on Sirianni. See, he thinks Sirianni's a cheerleader because he said this. He goes, look, last week, the first thing he does, he's always covering for these coaches. He comes out, he says, Brian Johnson called a great game. 
And you know the people in fan base in Philadelphia were watching that going. He did not call a great game. But there's Nick falling on the sword for him. And he doesn't think he's a genuine guy. What do you? What's your take on Sirianni? Well, I haven't had any personal contact with him because I've been in Florida the last year and the year before that. You know, I was living in New Jersey. But I haven't had a chance to have any personal conversations or interactions with Sirianni. But I think the players like him. You know, and obviously when you when you change when you lose both of your coordinators, you know, and you bring in guys that you like, there's always going to be. Remember, you remember when Jim Schwartz was a defensive coordinator and people got antsy and what's he doing out there? And then Gannon came in and people were like, "What's Gannon doing? What's going on with the defense?" So whenever there's a new coach, whether it's an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, the fans are always going to get antsy. You know, Philly fans, New York fans, Boston fans. You know, the most passionate fans, I think, in sports, they're the ones who always get antsy. You know, they booed last night. And you know what? I was booed heard them. home, too. Yeah, I heard them all the way down here in, in, Fort, in, in Cape Coral, Fort Myers, for God's sake. And they, and they should have been booed because it wasn't the players. It was the ability to not – and they, then they finally woke up and said, let's run the ball. And so, to me, when you can make adjustments on the move, they were outcoached in New England. They were outcoached last night for a while by Brian Flores. And so now they know they've got 11 days to work on Tampa Bay. They'll watch the game this weekend, and we'll see. Do, are they going to be the same team they were a year ago? Probably not, because teams will now figure out how to work against just the Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts improvises, and he can still make big plays. He can still take a game over and get that big first down. And, and when Al Michaels last night, who I love and know personally, when, when the Eagles got the ball with 25 seconds left in the half, and he thought they were just going to run out the clock. And then when he ran up the middle and, and then called the final timeout, Al thought, what's he, what's he doing? He was doing was trying to set up a, at least a, a chance for a field goal. And then, boom, they kicked the 61-yarder. So I don't think Jalen Hurts is a panic guy. I think he made a couple of bad throws last night, that one to, 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 you know, to, uh, uh, to number six. Yeah, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, I mean, that one was a terrible force throw into two guys. And that you'll see it, and you know this, Dan, from playing. You can see when a quarterback locks in on a guy from the jump, and he doesn't move his head around and look around. And and that's why you know Kirk Cousins, for all of the criticism he takes, that guy is 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 a baller. That guy can throw lasers, and he's got great weapons. He doesn't have a running game. To me, I think the biggest mistake that the Vikings yeah. made was giving up on their running game. I mean, when they let Alvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, who's a stud, and you and now we, that, that's what's happening now. The whole league is like, well, the, you know, the running back's not an important guy. We can throw anybody in there. But Dalvin Cook was a beast for them, and that's why last year they were able to run the football with Dalvin Cook and keep things mixed up. And now with the bad offensive line guys hurt, you know, and there's no no ability to run the ball, they had to throw. And luckily, they have great weapons. But isn't the, that the crazy, Tony? Isn't that crazy? Last night, the running back position dictated the entire game for yep. both teams them not having dalvin cook and the eagles having deandre swift was complete it was the position where they're trying to devalue was yep. why the eagles won that game exactly and they let you know miles sanders go who was a great player for them and they figured you know what we can bring somebody else in here and they had boston scott he got hurt you know and had the other guy who ran last week uh you know he got hurt and so what happens the fact that that, that 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 Swift did not carry once in game one was a big shocker. But the good news is they had, you know, and, and they have Rashad Penny, you know, who gets hurt all the time. But so they do have guys 
that they can slip into the spot. And I think we're seeing that in the running back position, Dan, everywhere. You know, you have your one stud guy, but you better have a second guy. You better have a change of pace guy. And that's what we're seeing. I used to be have the fullback and then the tailback. You know, very few teams use a fullback anymore with the flex position stuff. But the bottom line is the Eagles have always seemed to have a couple of guys that they can stick in there at running back. And when they keep the ball moving and those offensive linemen love, they love run blocking more than they do pass blocking. Everybody knows that. And so when you saw that team coming together and, and finally starting to make some moves, and then when you saw the ability of them to now make some make some throws, because now everybody, they're all of a sudden they're worrying about the running play all the time. And then Jalen Hurts made a couple of nice passes late in the game, and the running game was really what capped it, capped it for them. You know, and then they go down to the onside kick. I mean, it was it was an interesting game. It was an ugly game. But the bottom line is, at this stage, when you're the Vikings who won, you know, who were able to keep every game close and find ways to win, now they're 0-2 because they can't run the football. And their offensive line can't block to run the football. So here, here, here's every, the thing, every team has weaknesses. The Eagles have weaknesses right now, but I think their core is still strong. And I think their defensive line, as you know, as a defensive lineman, they just keep reloading. And, 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 and Cox and Brandon Graham – are old guys, but they still go in when you ask them to, and they still play hard, man. Those guys are still making plays at this stage of their careers. Fourteen years into the into the league, they're still they're still key members of that defense. Finally, Tony, um, did you make anything out of the bitching argument on the sidelines with 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 AJ Brown? And you well, here, not, and let me tell you before you answer this. And Jalen, I said this yesterday. I said you watch if that dude doesn't start to get targets. He's going to start complaining. The reason I said that, Tone, is because I think that's the position today and the mouth of the position because, hey, back in the day, Tone, when we, you and me were covering the NFL, man, if you opened your face like the way some of these wideouts do, you'd get your head knocked off coming across the middle on a seam route. Now you could be a big mouth. and that Do you think it's more about just the position and the diva guy in the position? I think so. And I, I think, and again, I don't know Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown. I don't know A.J. Brown personally, but I mean, he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. You know, you know, Dallas Goddard, you didn't see him on the sideline complaining. So what, you know, he got a lot of throws last year, last week in New, in New England, even though the Eagles really didn't throw the ball to have a lot of success throwing it. And so that's what receivers who are studs are always going to be that way. But I think deep down inside, you know, I don't think those guys, Jalen Hurts said after the game, he's my best friend. That stuff happens. And you know what? They forget about it. That's not something that's going to linger. That's not – now when when they go out and start practicing again, the media is going to see that A.J. Brown and and Jalen Hurts have to be on the same page. You know, it's not going to help the team. You know, he's not – he hasn't really been a guy that's been considered one of those diva receivers. I mean, we, we can see the diva receivers. But he hasn't been one of those guys. So as much as they showed it last night, and I was like, wow, that's pretty. But then he then he tried to force the ball to him the next time he got it. So that's my concern is when guys start chirping and then the quarterback feels an obligation that he's got to go out. And that could have hurt them because they didn't score a touchdown on two potential touchdowns, one that was called back and one, you know, they just over uh, overthrew him. To me, if you score there, then the game's over. But if you don't, and you're just trying to placate a guy who wanted the ball more, that could have really hurt them. Thankfully, it didn't for their for their sake. But I, I think that that kind of stuff, it's going to keep happening no matter where you are, you know, especially if you have elite receivers. And I still think Jalen Hurts is an elite quarterback. I look around the league, 
And I see, you know, the Jets, how many mistakes they've made with first-round picks. It's really hard to get that guy. Remember, Jalen Hurst was a second-round pick. And you look at the Alabama guys now in this league, when we never thought, other than Kenny Stabler and Joe Namath back in the day, when nobody thought about Alabama quarterbacks because they were all running wishbones in college offenses, now all these kids are running pro-set offenses in college. And that's why you look at Tua and you look at Jalen Hurts and even Mac Jones. I mean, these guys all played in really good systems where they're throwing the football. You always had good running backs. But now you have to throw the football to be considered a good guy. And I think you're seeing a fresh crop of, of young quarterbacks come into this league ready to play. And Jalen Hurts, he belongs. I mean, he's not one of these guys that's going to get benched if he loses a game and has a bad game. I mean, he's got the keys to this thing. And they made the decision. They, you know, they benched Carson Wentz. He's gone. They give him the keys. And the guy took him to a Super Bowl last year in a year where really nobody thought that they would go to the Super Bowl. It's like the Phillies going to the World Series. Nobody thought either one of those teams, even though they had talent, nobody thought that they would go to the big game again after going and winning in 2017 and having a lot of changes since then. Well, I'll tell you, Tone, you you, you brought flashbacks back there with my wife taking my six-foot ruler away from me. And it was it was, you it was great. Foot down, Dan. You, got, you know, as we get older, you know, you got to put your foot down and say, I'm a man. It's my house. You come into my house. As the great University of my remember that game FIU, who was the broadcaster who went, went nuts when there was that? Oh, um, uh, the, the, the Lamar Thomas, Lamar Thomas, in the broadcast booth. And I have coming in time. our house. You come into our house. You should get your behind whooped. That's the kind of passion and energy I want to see from the broadcast team. Is it, but he's still not doing the games, right? He's not. No, no. Now he's a wide receiver coach at Kentucky. Oh, that's great knowledge right there. That's great. Kentucky hey, Wildcat knowledge. Hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, connect with Miss um, Robin to get you those tickets. Absolutely. Right, I don't so have you to guys can go long. for the Monday night game. I'll be out. I can go out on the pirate ship. I'll go out there with the folks, man. You know, I don't need to be in the box. You're a man to the people. You're exactly. a man to the people. I want to be down there with the folks, man. And I, that's what it's all about. It's about kissing babies, slapping backs, pressing the flesh. That's, that's right. Hey, Tone, tell people where they could get your fabulous show. Now, of course, on Friday nights, we go on at 7 o'clock. It's on No Filter Network, at No Filter Net. You have to sign up, but you don't have to pay. There's no, you know, no charge. It, it's, it, but you have to get in, and we'll be on, they'll be on, a, on, a, on an app soon. But it's on at nofilter.net. And then you just go in there. You give them your information. No credit cards, no social security numbers. You become, and you go in there. We have a live stream going on like you do. You know, most shows now, live stream, chat going on and the ability for the audience to go into the knocker room, and then you could come on the show as well. So this digital world, as you know, as we've moved on, you know, there's over-the-air radio is never going away, but the digital world is now taking over. And people can now see their favorite shows and hear their favorite shows because of the digital technology and the world we live in. And those of us who have embraced digital and have said, you know, well, no, I want to see work on regular radio, you can still do that. But we're seeing most of the big names are now, and even people who have done it before, they know that this is the medium where people will have access to anything they want 24 seven on replay. Tone, I think one of the reasons, and I, and, I, and I had this conversation the other night with Angelo, guys like you and Angelo, um, the reason that you're not on mainstream radio anymore, Angelo went like this, it's not because I'm old, it's because I can't do my show anymore. Yeah. And he's and, and he said that and I, and I thought about you and I'm like, I mean, you're one of the most loving guys on the planet. You're one of the most 
engaging people of all time, one of the great radio guys of all time. And I, I'm, I'm like, these guys, it's same thing with me, man. You, you, you know, what we used to do and the stuff and people had like sense of humors and, you know, and everything wasn't taken so serious. I mean, those days are shot. Now you're a cheerleader if you're on the radio. And that's why I think this new platform here has those old side guards and those old uh, railings for yeah. us, Tone, because that's kind of what we were reared on was that we had a certain sandbox we were in. These guys today have a smaller sandbox. Yeah. No, you can't. You, you can't do this. Now, you know, guys have been around a while. You know, we everybody knows what we do. So I haven't changed my approach in 50 plus years in radio. You haven't changed your approach. Nope. And then people say, what happened to you? What? I said, nothing happened to me. I'm doing the same thing I've always done. I talk about sports and I have fun. And now, unfortunately, you know, you go to work for a big company and they hire you to talk about sports because they like what you did. And then when they hire you, they try to change you and turn you into something that you're not. And so that's why, again, I'm not down on. Uh, no, I get it. Radio. I just yeah. say, I, you know, now that I can control my own destiny, you can. Crazy. You're not you're not threatening anybody. You're just doing and having a good time. That's what people want. That's what sports is, is about. And it should always be about first and foremost. Absolutely, Tony. People will check you out on Friday night. It is always a privilege to get you on. It was like Paisan Row this week, man. The legends of Philly all came on with us this week, and I can't thank you enough for always finding time. I'm happy you're healthy. I'll send Miss Robin a text when the show is over with. Thank you so much, my friend. All right, my brother. Sorry that we weren't able to connect the last couple of months, but it's been a crazy summer, man. Now it's football. Now we're going nonstop football till next February, brother. Look at Tony throwing them pipes up. Thank you, brother. Right, I appreciate up. it. Thanks, Dan. You got it. That's my friend Tony Bruno there, man. Make sure you catch him out on his show on Friday nights. Hey, folks, don't forget 40th anniversary of Hooters. We're very proud to have them. You know, Tony was just talking about, like, the Tampa area. That's where it was first founded, you know, right there in Clearwater. And now we have seven locations in the Northeast area. All you have to do is go to northeasthooters.com to find that location nearest to you for you to be able to have a great time this football season. And it's the official home of the National Football Show with Big Sills. Also, if you don't want to go into any one of the locations, go to hooters2go.com. Order the grub. Bring it to your home, man. But if not, do me a favor. You got to try it out. Take your boys in there, man. Have yourself a great time. Try Tuesdays. Buy 10 wings. Get 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, a 40-year tradition, 1983. All you can eat. Kids eat free on Saturday. Six items, six bucks. All the great drafts. I'm telling you, man, you just ha you have to go in and experience it. I've known these folks for over 40 years. Go to northeasthooters.com. That's northeasthooters.com to find one of the seven locations nearest you. And when you roll in, do me a favor. Tell them Big Sills sent you.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Some of my favorite guests, guys who disagree with me in my take, unlike 99.9% of the shows, you always get people on that agree with you. I don't do, I don't really like that. I mean, I get people on all the time that disagree with what I say. I don't have a problem with that. Sports talk. You should have your own opinion. Unlike in the news cycle, where people tell you how to think. That's the greatest thing about sports fans. You're more intelligent than the news talk people who watch those shows. You know why? They're sheep. When you're a sports fan, you're not sheep. You're not sheep. You got an opinion on a guy. You like a guy. You think this guy's full of shit, or you think this guy's full of shit. Or you don't. Or you don't. I love guys like that. Yeah, you're right, Bob. Hey, this is Bob and uh, Cherry Hill. Hey, man, I listen to you every day, and I, I you know, I, I've never disagreed with you. Well, then you ain't the guy I want. <laughs> that doesn't make for compelling shows. I see. Most importantly to me, this is entertainment. Being right? Do you know how many times I was right and I got fired for it? I said in Miami, LeBron James would never stay in Miami. On the flagship of the Miami Heat. Maniac, Bruno said Hurts is elite. 
I disagree. I don't think one year makes you elite in anything. I don't think it makes you elite anything in life. One moment in time. It's an elite moment. It's an elite year to some. I, I, I don't think those numbers he had a year ago are elite. I think the team was elite. He was very good. Not taking it away. Okay. He's got all that talent on his football team right now, and he's not. Can you imagine Patrick Mahomes struggling with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on his team? No matter who the coordinator was. Could you imagine him? Why is Hurts struggling? Because of Brian Johnson. Talk about low-hanging fruit. Let's go to the coordinator, because it's the only thing that's different. True. You had six months to go through this. From February, you knew this was going to be here. Only you were telling me coordinators are going to be fine. Everything's fine. It's Jalen. All of a sudden, now you get him into a game. It's Brian Johnson and Sean. Actually, I'll make this comment to you. I actually don't think Sean Desai is doing that poor a job. I don't. I think he has so less to work with than what Jonathan Gannon did a year ago. Plus, you have an injured Redick. I actually personally think Sean Desai is keeping it together. I, I don't have a problem with Sean Desai. He's limited in personnel with talent and injuries right now. Do you, do you really think he's doing a bad job? That's not his fault that that defense is horrific against pass coverage. It's That's a talent issue and a health issue right now. Thank you very much, Quan. You should make a T-shirt with that. Congratulations to you, kid. There, you stood on us. You, you stood on an anthill. Congratulations to you, kid. All good. I actually, am, am, am I right when I say this about the side? I'm a, I'm a, 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 hey, I'm, I tell you this. Do you think Jonathan Gannon would be doing a better job right now coordinating that defense than what Sean decides doing? Do you? Do, do you think Sean, De, Sean Desai would do a better job than Jonathan Gannon? I do. Playing shittier teams, easier teams, and with more talent. Jonathan Gannon would be a train wreck this year. Train wreck. Train wreck. And guess what he would be doing? They'd be blaming the players. I think Jonathan Gannon would have divided the team more if he stayed and coordinated that group that's in there right now. And you would see a complete shit show going on. Hey, when they couldn't stop the run and they were floating around number 22, he didn't come up with any new complex front. He went to Howie and Howie got him two new dudes. Right? Got him Linville Joseph and Adamic and Sue. That's not fixing your problems. When they had problems because of personnel issues in Dallas, Dan Quinn came up with a scheme. 
Dan Quinn came up with a scheme and helped him. I think Sean decided, you know what? I know, I see, you're looking at it and you're not looking at this correctly. I actually think Sean Desai, I mean, he's got, he's got lesser talent. Playing 10 yards off is still crazy to me. Sway, you think you're going to play man coverage with some dude named Job? I mean, press coverage? You're, you think you're going to press coverage Justin Jefferson? That guy couldn't cover a cold. And you're going to cover him and get up in his face. Man, he'll get a release off him. He'll be down the field, running the sidelines. You'll think he's a four by 100 sprinter. And now that Avante Maddox is out. So now Reed Blankenship is questionable for the next. Well, you got 10 days. We'll see. You got to be careful there with injuries. And I don't like going and forecasting anything on that because you do have 10 days off here. So let's see how that thing looks probably next Tuesday. But as of right now, Reed Blankenship, Avante Maddox is out. And now you have to have another level of guys step up. Bradbury will be back. That's a big deal. Okay, Reddick, it's got to be the injury. Okay? It's got to be the injury. But I'll say this to you. I think there's more of a focus on those DTs today than it is on those edge rushers because those DTs have been the best part of that defense so far. They've been very good. And boy, I'll tell you what, if they could keep that trend going the whole year, you know, it's funny, people go like this. Sills, you said that you didn't think that Jordan Davis could be a pass rusher. It's once like you told me. Sills, it, we're 2-0 and and it's two games. I get it. Okay, I get it. Let's see if he can maintain it. But so far, so good with him. I expected more from Hertz. I didn't expect this guy to get, like, I didn't. But then again, last year, I didn't think Josh Sweat, I didn't think Josh Sweat was a three-down lineman either. As the year went on, Josh Sweat became a three-down lineman, and last night he showed you why he's a three-down lineman. He's a good football player. By the way, you know, again, there's no question that the two coordinators that you took on in the first two weeks, those two teams are not very talented as a collective roster. But those coaches are good. There's a reason Brian Flores was in New England and owns three Super Bowls. He may own four. Brian Flores may have four Super Bowl rings. Remember something. Patricia worked for him. Flores was the DC up there. Then the kid got the job. And Patricia was on that staff in there. I think he was DC for two Super Bowls. When when Flores left for Miami. Um, game manager, 260 million, says Barb. So far, it's what the offense looks like. It's one progression. Re- I, I, I disagree with people. I, I think he's a one-read guy right now. Now, is that him? Is that the offense? Um, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it just doesn't look the same. And it, can you say it's because of the coaches? 
You probably could. JB, that's a good one. Last year, I thought Reddick started slow and then picked it up. Okay? I, I thought for sure, I, I, you know, it was like after week eight, he started taking off. Josh Sweat, Jadavian Clowney, absolutely not. Josh Sweat's better. Josh Sweat has already done something in his career that Jadavian Clowney's never done. Double-digit sacks. And Clowney was the number one overall selection in the draft. Talk about underachieving. Jadavian Clowney is a poster child for that. Um, Green goes, is it the coaching? I think it's the philosophy. Tone, I don't know if this all ties in. You know how I, how I think here and everybody. I noticed it in game one, him getting down and protecting himself. And I noticed them, he's getting hit more in the pocket. Wanting him to throw the ball more instead of allowing Jalen to be Jalen. Like Vermeil said during the summertime. It, it, it just seems that they're so hell-bent on him throwing from the pocket when it, it, it's it, like they're changing his approach to the game a little. And to me, I think that's philosophical. I don't think that's anything to do with play calling, sequencing. I think it's got to do with, hey, listen, if you're out in the open, get down. You see him making those, and again, I think when I was talking to Farsetta, I think I maybe threw the wrong phrase out, business decisions. Technically it is, but I don't, like, to me, sometimes when you hear a guy saying, you know, business decisions, it sounds like the guy's a coward. That, to me, is not anything what I would say or use when it comes to Jalen Hurts. Okay? It just, Tone, I don't think it's play, I think it's, philosophical okay I, I don't really think it's play calling and also this so does it here doesn't it, it accentuate the, the mistake they made in game one having seen what Swift did in game two I mean you got away from game well after the first drive doesn't that hammer home more on the inexcusable not using DeAndre Swift in game one? I mean, now, New England did a better job of stopping the run. They're a better defense. But I think it just puts kind of like the stamp. I think it puts a stamp. That's not true. If Hurts is the true leader, he would have won the Super Bowl. Okay? So if Tom Brady was a true leader, he'd have beat Nick Foles. That's 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 not how you tie that in. That is not how you tie leadership in. Leadership is leading sometimes when it's dark, too. 
You get more respect from people when things are going sideways than when things are going well. Ask A.J. Brown that. A.J. Brown's not a leader. He's a follower. Jalen Hurts is the leader. It's his job to calm that down. That's why after those two got into that, whatever. And by the way, it's it's a nothing burger. That thing's a nothing burger. You know, he has no history like Antonio Brown. There's no history to that shit. And so what he flies off the mouth and he bitches at Tennessee and you get me 1,500 yards and 100 catches, I don't give a shit what you do as long as you're not a train wreck in my locker room or on the sidelines. I personally don't care. I played with I played with Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin was always chirping. No one cared because Irvin would come down with 11 catches, 150 yards receiving, two TDs, and you're like, I don't care. He's a great teammate. You 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 don't care about that shit when you have a guy like that kind of talent, and like like Mike said about Mike said this about AJ Brown, he said you better be a baller if you're gonna get in your quarterback's face. You better be a baller, and he's a baller. He's like this. Even Keyshawn Johnson said it's not the man. I mean, that's just what you do sometimes. You start chirping at people, and he's probably like this. I'm wide open. And so to me, that's more of a coaching issue. No, Nick goes over there and diffuses the whole thing. I mean, and, and you know, and he should have diffused it. He should have diffused it, and he did. It was a good move to go over there. All right, enough. All right, enough. I'm with you. I, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't have, I didn't, I don't really think it's a deep, I mean, when I saw it, it's all over the internet right now. And when I saw it on the internet, I was like, oh, people are going to make that. I, I probably think you probably thought I was going, I don't, I don't give a shit about stuff like that. Man, you know how many times people bark at each other on the sidelines? Nobody gives a shit about that. All right, let me take a time out here. Oh, by the way, I'm going to say it to you. Tone, everyone, I think you're going to like this. Um, we're 95% sure that we're going to have the rock on next week. Um, 95% sure we're getting him on next week. So we'll let you know more on that. I want to take a look at week two of the national football league. Also our friend Philly Godfather is going to join us. Um, we so appreciate you guys so much power hours coming up. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. So you had a coach from Colorado State go after Connie Knight in a way. Have you ever met Connie Knight? I have. Do you guys know who Connie Knight is? One of the sweetest ladies that you could possibly ever meet. And one of the most engaging and one of the most hardworking people you'll ever know. I mean... If you've ever met her, you'd be like, wow. I mean, just tremendous. I mean, she raised a superstar kid in Deion Sanders. Wow. Oh, they got Quan right there, insulting Deion Sanders' mom, just like the head coach from Colorado State, insulting Deion Sanders' mom. Guess it's par for the course. Coach says something like this. Hey, man, end of the day, you know, I was raised and my mom taught me to take your shades off and your hat off at the table. That's at least what my mom did. And I'm like, man, bringing people's moms into the conversation now? Doug, you guys should be rooting each other on. Because there's not many people out there that are giving uh, minorities and African-Americans an opportunity to coach major college football programs. What Deion Sanders is doing right now 
What Deion Sanders is doing right now is opening the door for other people to get an opportunity. Because you know those old curmudgeons at Auburn right now, you know what they're saying? Let me, t- let me put it to you this way here. Let me say this to you. If you're Auburn now, you're Wisconsin, or you're some of these other places, and you do- you went like this, I'm not hiring Deion Sanders, the thing's all theatrical. Aren't you doing this now? Shit. The AD, remember when he hired Dion? Tony, do you remember what he said? Well, I don't have the money right now, but I'm going to find it. But shit, they found it. Dion's probably tripled the money that that program's ever made. Look at the impact that guy has had on college. Do you know that's must-see television every weekend now because of him? He's must-see TV. Dude, The Rock is going to be out there for the start of the game. Philly goes, Sills, why your boy Whitlock hate? Because he's from the old school that thinks that coaches should make it about the players. He is making it about the players. See, Philly, this is why people hated Florida State and Miami in my day. This is why you guys hated us. Because we talked loud, we walked loud, and we played hard. And 98% of our roster was all African-American inner-city kids. And everyone hated that, especially when we were playing Notre Dame. And we beat the pissing doorknobs off them. They didn't like it. Nobody likes people that are loud. Because, like my daughter says, when you have a strong opinion and you have strong convictions, always be prepared to have yourself challenged. And that's been the story in my life. Dude, I don't do anything quiet. Nothing, nor will I ever. I've done nothing. You have to pull me off the edge, not push me to it. See, I've always thought the difference between greatness is this much. That's the difference between where you want to stand on the edge. Hey, have I fallen off and gone into the ravine? Yes. But that's the penalty of going for being the best you can. Most people like to take that five-step back and play in that safe zone. It's okay. I have no problem with that. Most people in life choose to be in that safe zone. You're either going to be someone that steps to the edge of the cliff or rows out to sea with no oars, or you're going to sit in the safe zone with one foot on the beach and one foot in the ocean. Got to choose. You got to choose. Dion chooses to do it his way. That's why people hate it. I, they hate it. Okay? Hate it. Yet you shit on Hertz for being 19 and 1. Shit on Hertz for looking horrible in the first two games. And telling you that's not my style of quarterback. You think that's shitting on it because I don't want to build my team around that stuff. It's a dis- dude, you like cherry pie? I like coconut cream pie. You can have him. We talk about him because that's your quarterback. That's not the style of QB I would ever build my football team around. Ever. 
I'd build my team around a style more of Purdy than I would him. I, I would. That's why you're not going to see 35 touchdown throws from Jalen Hurts. He's a one-read dude. But again, let's put that back into context and back into the bucket here. There's a ton of drop-back quarterbacks in the NFL. There's one of Jalen. I'm good with one of Jalen. But I think you have to have more around him. It's proving it. What if he didn't have A.J. Brown and Devontae and had only Goddard and no Swift and had Kenny Gainwell? He would look like Kansas City. You think he's going to win ball games with that? He's struggling now with those other all pros. Two straight games, two turnovers, too. We shall see. Like Tone said, we got 10 days to see what they do. Do they make trades? Do they what what could they possibly do offensively in a trade? Nothing. By the way, I didn't say this yet. Cam Jurgens not playing very well. They may have to make a decision over their Steen or something else. Because he's not playing very good. Okay? He's not. As a matter of fact, that entire offensive line is not playing well when it comes to pass protection. Your quarterback is getting hit more. That being said, let's go to our friend here. Philly God. I could not wait to get your takes on this thing here. <laughs> what a gift. What a gift. <laughs> Uh, not even Christmas. The Vikings are giving out presents. Holy cow. Hey, you know, it's it's what's funny is that that thing, you guys are so right. It hung right around that number six, didn't it, the entire time. And there it was last night. Even Get this. So the Eagles had a 16-point lead in the first game and gave it up. Then they had a 20-point lead in game two and gave it up. Give me your takeaways from what you've seen so far. The first two weeks and maybe from last night, too. Well, I mean, the first week of the season against the Patriots, that was a gift. I mean, if they don't turn over the ball twice in the first half, the Eagles don't jump out to the 16-0 lead, and they don't win the game, and they don't cover the closing uh, Vegas line. They didn't cover the original opening line at five and a half, but the game closed uh, three, and they did cover that. Now, this week, game opened up eight. We took eight plus eight on the Vikings. We took plus seven and a half, plus seven. Plus six and a half, plus six. I even took some plus 290 on the money line. Uh, and to be honest, if the Vikings don't turn the ball over four times and Jefferson doesn't, you know, give the ball away right before halftime and give the Eagles a gift, this could be a lot different. Thank God this offensive line is still pretty strong and they can run the ball, or else they would have got ugly last night. I mean, the Vikings should have won that game. If You know, you cause turnovers, obviously, but a lot of them are random. And this Eagles team moving forward if they if if they get into the playoffs they might be one and done against teams like Detroit, San Fran, Dallas who've looked more efficient on the football field than this Philadelphia Eagles team. Do you think they took the ball out of Jalen's hands in the last quarter of that game? 48 rushing attempts. It's like they stopped throwing the ball for I mean they were I mean look, 
the Vikings have no defensive personnel on that side. They're terrible. They got they got a coach. The coach was better than what was over there on that other side. But do you feel they just said, hey, forget it. We're not throwing the ball. We're not going high turnover. We know we can run the ball. And they just went, this is who our identity. It just seems they're fighting their true identity of being a run team. And they want to pass early. They get themselves in trouble. Then they go have to go back to who they are. Yeah, I mean, he's having a hard time passing the ball. He's having a hard time processing his reads pre-snap. He's just not the same Jalen Hurts he was last season. He has the same weapons, and maybe all that money made him a little, you know, a little fat. I don't know what it is, but he's not the same player. Um, thank God, like I said, they can run the ball, or else that Vikings team would have came in here as seven point eight point six now, whatever the line closed at six uh, point underdogs, and they would have won the game outright. You think this thing gets turned around in ten days? I mean, they're seven-point favorites Monday night against Tampa Bay. And I just bet Tampa Bay plus seven. <laughs> I think so. I'm not investing in this team. There's nothing this team has done on the football field that tells me as a sports better, as a sports investor, that I want to invest in this team moving forward. You look at the regular season win totals. It was set by Vegas before the season started. It was 11 and a half. And they started off the season 2-0, and and it's still 11 and a half. Then you look at the Cowboys, whose regular season win totals opened up at nine and a half. And now they're closing in at 11. So you, you see the upgrade in the Cowboys. You see the upgrade in a couple other teams. But this uh, this Eagles team, I, I'm not invested in no. So So the, the line changes on win totals as the year goes on. So these, these are prop bets that, that move around, kind of like the stock that goes up and down a little bit here. So you think the Cowboys are trending in a better direction and San Francisco's trending in a better direction than Philly is right now, even though – so in your opinion, them being 2-0, and that thing should have went up potentially to 12. Well, uh, yeah, it should have went to 12. Uh, now, they were expected to win those two games, right, before the season started. But it's the way they've won those two games that hasn't moved the needle in the sports betting market, while the other teams, the way they've won, have moved the needle and, and has moved the market. Interesting. All right. Um, so, so the coaching you're, 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 I mean, are you blaming Hertz for how he's looked or are you blaming the coach or both? I think everyone's got to take responsibility of what's going on. Now. I think the Eagles organization, they know that these two victories have been gifts and they're going to do everything they can to try and, you know, make this a more cohesive team, maybe go try to grab a couple guys, wherever they can find, but moving forward, uh, they're in serious trouble. I mean, they, I, I don't know what's going on with Hurts. I mean, he doesn't look the same. He He's having issues finding open receivers, uh, tight ends, everything on the football field. If they're not running the ball, they're not winning these games. What did you make of A.J. Brown and Jalen bitching at one another on the sidelines? It's not good. That's not good. <laughs> you know that. That's <laughs> not good. There's something going on in that locker room. There's something seriously going on. And I think uh, the players know it, all right, let's get into the games this weekend. Um, and so you're taking the Bucks, and we you're taking the Bucks in week three and the seven. I already took them at home. At home, plus seven. I already took them. <laughs> okay, let's go this weekend. Green Bay at Atlanta. Um, what do you like? Who do you like in this one? Tough game, man. Both teams looked pretty good last week, but I'm gonna have to go with the home favorite here. Uh, they just got to you know win the game basically to cover the spread. I like the Falcons here. I think uh, Green Bay is going on the road. It'll be a little tougher time for them against a Bears team that just, you know, they're all banged up on their offensive line. They got some issues too, that Chicago Bears team. So I like Atlanta. 
So, do you like the both these young guys here, um, Jordan Love and Desmond Ritter? Do you think they're trending up? I mean, I'll tell you this. If I'm Atlanta, I'm feeling pretty good about Desmond Ritter right now and who he is compared to what's going on in Chicago with Justin Fields. Yeah, both guys are starting to grow on me. I mean, we talked about it in preseason. Love looked good. Ritter's looking good during the regular season. And they both – I mean, they've both won the first games of the, of the year. So that's, a, that's big for a young team to get them going and get that momentum started. How about the Raiders going into Broncoville last week with Garoppolo? I don't know what it is about that kid, man. He just wins every single place that he goes. And if you're Sean Payton and you're Russell Wilson, so you spent $20 million on a coach a year, you gave up first-round draft choices to New Orleans, and you're paying Wilson a ton of money. Boy, I, I, I mean, actually, it's Buffalo. It's Raiders and Buffalo. Let's go there first. Um, Las Vegas Raiders and Buffalo. Who do you like in that one? It's a big number. I think it opened up nine, ten. I think it's down to eight and a half. Uh, eight. It's actually eight in a, in a couple markets. Uh, the betting public is going to be all over Buffalo here. No one's expecting this team to go zero and two and not cover the spread two weeks in a row. And uh, to be honest, I like Garoppolo. I, <laughs> I haven't bet it yet, but I'm leaning towards the Raiders plus the eight, eight and a half. I'm hoping it goes to ten. If it goes to ten, I'll be all over the Raiders. Okay, let's go to Denver then. Washington at Denver. I just said this about the Broncos and the head coach and the quarter and the quarterback. But Washington, also Chase Young is going to be activated for him to play this week. And it'll be the first time this year he gets an opportunity to play. Um, you know, Washington, if they win this game here in Denver, right? They're 2-0. I mean, you look at them a little different, do you? If they, they win this ball game, or do you think this is going to be a tough putt for them to go up to Denver and win this game? It's going to be tough for, for them to win this game. I know Denver's getting some guys back on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, there's there's a trend. I know last year, teams that started off the season 0-1 playing against teams that were 1-0, they went 8-2 and against the spread and straight up. So, you know, if you go 0-2 in this league, you're in trouble. So yeah, these guys are going to give it everything they have. Uh, I think Denver wins the game, but to cover that three-and-a-half-point spread, I don't think it's going to be that easy. I kind of like Washington plus three-and-a-half here. How about one of the games of the weekend here? Baltimore at Cincinnati. Cincinnati was atrocious this past uh, weekend. And Baltimore kind of – I mean, it, they, they kind of stumbled around a little bit in that ball game with the new offense here. It's at Cincinnati. Pretty big game in the AFC here this weekend. Yeah, I was expecting big things from Baltimore, but at halftime, the game was basically tied. What was it, 7-6? I forget this. They, they pulled away in the second half. But that Texans team is all banged up on their offensive line. They're missing a bunch of guys on defense. Baltimore should have really beat them down. And, and to me, since they had some issues beating them down, I'm not really sold on Baltimore this year now moving forward. And they got a couple guys hurt going into this game. I, I took Cincinnati on the money line. I laid minus 160. Uh, it went from three to three and a half. I think the Bengals bounced back this week, and they, uh, they, beat the, they beat the Ravens and probably cover the spread. Are you buying Detroit? Seattle at Detroit. Seattle really had some issues against the Rams in week one. Are you buying them? I mean, they go into – Detroit goes into Kansas City, and I know that they were missing Jones and Kelsey, so I, I get it there, but – Still, golf once again, man. He goes in in the lights, outplays Mahomes. I mean, are you buying them? I'm starting to. I mean, I like them to win their division. I gave it out on Twitter uh, before the season started. And uh, it's, it's never e be easy beating Kansas City. I mean, let's be honest. man. Mahomes yeah. is so good. Andy Reid's so good. And for them to do that, 
that's a predictive indicator to me that this team's for real this year. Uh, the, I don't like the four and a half point spread, but if gone to my head, if I had to pick a side, I'd go with Detroit. You know, um, we talk about Jalen struggling getting out of the gate here. He's 2-0. Then I look at the Chargers and go, boy, I'll tell you what. I mean, it's got doesn't it have to get to a point where you say this about Herbert? I mean, we're hard on Jalen. But now I think he also have to bring a heavier hammer here because this guy's got to win games, man. I mean, he's getting paid now. I hate Brandon Staley, their coach. I don't think he's the right fit there. I mean, the Spanos family is not the greatest family on the planet running that organization. Hey, how do you, how do you have Dan Fouts and Phillip Rivers and go nowhere with them? And you go to the Super Bowl with Stan Humphreys. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, where, where are you going here with this? Um, and there's Tennessee. You know, Tannehill struggled last week, I thought. Who do you like in this one? I mean, the game was three and a half. It's down to two and a half. So there's some sharp wow. money. Yeah, there's some sharp money on Tennessee. Anytime you see a move off that key number of three, it takes a lot of money to move the market. Even early in the week when you got softer betting limits. Uh, blaming Justin Herbert, I think you need a sledgehammer for the coach. I mean, the kid's putting up yards. He, I mean, he's, they put up the most amount of points in NFL history over the last three seasons. And like we said last week, if you guys remember, I said whoever has the ball last is probably going to win that Dolphins-Chargers game. And they, and I said bet the over. You know, you, I knew it was going to be a shootout, but I can't blame Justin Herbert. I'm blaming the coach uh, every day of the week and twice on Sunday here. I mean, that kid, that kid can play. He puts up points. He puts up a ton of yards. And they got the, the coach has to fix the problem. Now, in this game – I like the Chargers. I like them on the money line. I don't see them losing two games in a row. Uh, I think they go into Tennessee to get the job done. Tennessee's going to try to slow the game down, limit the possessions, run the ball, you know, keep that offense off the field. But even yeah, I don't think they got enough horses on that team to beat uh, to beat Justin Herbert and the Chargers this week. Okay, is it possible the Buccaneers are two and zero, rolling into that Monday night game down in Tampa versus another two and zero team? So the Monday night game is going to have two teams that are undefeated playing against one another in the in the Buccaneers. With, hey, with a Buck defense is better than anything that's in Philadelphia, okay? They got Mike Evans and Godwin too. And those – get see, to me, first, first give me your thoughts here on Chicago-Tampa. And I'll tell you again, I think Tampa's got some kryptonite that can, that can hurt Philly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the Bears opened up one and a half. Now it's flip flop. Tampa Bay's minus two and a half at home. So there's been some early money on Tampa Bay. Uh, as soon as the three, there, there were a couple threes that popped up. Tampa Bay went to minus three, and I took some three. I think uh, Tampa Bay regresses a little this week. They got a great defense, like we talked about before the season started. That's going to keep in a bunch of games. As long as the Bears don't lose the turnover battle here, I think they can stay within the Vegas number of plus three. Uh, we saw what happened in the first week of the season with the Vikings turning the ball over three times and. You know, Tampa Bay's defense is solid, but I don't think that happens this week. I like the Bears plus three. Let me tell you why I like the Bucs. I, I, I hate Baker Mayfield. Okay, I, I hate Baker Mayfield, but I never thought Mac Jones would throw for 350 yards on the Philadelphia Eagles too, okay? I mean, if Mac Jones can do it, Baker Mayfield can do it also. So, to me, and plus there's better weapons than there were up in New England, and you got two wideouts – one guy could be a potential Hall of Famer in Mike Evans. And you got a pretty decent offensive line there. And you got a really stout defense. It's at home, too, boy. I'll tell you what, man. You watch. I think that number starts rolling back off that seven, too. Because, yeah. it, look, 
if Avante Maddox is out too, now you're going to get Bradbury back. I still think Eagles go down there and win that game, but I'll tell you what, seven. I like that money there on that Bucks Eagle game. I already bet it. I, I think the game closes closer to four. Uh, I'm seeing it go down to six and a half now. A little six is out there. I think that line's going to keep dropping. And uh, I already bet it. Like I said, Dan, uh, plus seven's a, a gift for us. <laughs> Kansas City against old Dougie P. Man, the whole world's going to be betting Kansas City. Just like Buffalo. No one's expecting this team to go 0-2. No one's expecting this team not to cover the spread two weeks in a row. What's the number? It's it went from two and a half to three. It's bouncing back back and forth in the market. Right. Actually, it's up to three and a half even money at some of the sharper shops offshore. I think that's too much. You got revenge here with Dougie P from last year's playoff game. Uh they added, you know, Ridley. I like the Jags here, plus three and a half. I think I think it's going to be a close game. And this is one of those games, whoever has the ball last is probably going to win. Kelsey's still, you know, he's playing, but he's going to be a little hobbled still. Chris Jones, a little rust. He's going to have to dust that off of him. Uh, I like I like the Jags, plus three and a half. I think Kansas City starts out 0-2. They might. You never know. <laughs> I, I do. I think, I think they start out 0-2, and I think the Jags are going to – who would have thought in our lifetime the Jags start out 0-2 – I mean, the, the Jags start out 2-0, and Kansas City, with the reigning MVP, starts out 0-2. That should tell Eagle fans, hey, if you thought this thing was going to be some serenade getting back to the NFC title game, you're out of your mind. Kansas City's going to struggle out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. The Eagles got real issues, though. Kansas City, I feel more comfortable with Kansas City than I do with the Eagles. Yeah, because, of, because of the quarterback. <laughs> and the coach. And the coach. <laughs> hey, and the coach, right? I mean, those guys are going to cover some shit there with those two dudes. Okay, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to ask you about this game. Indy and Houston, I mean, is that one you walk away from? I actually took Indy plus one and a half. Houston's oh. their offensive line's all banged up, and both of their starting safeties might not play. They haven't practiced all week. So they're going to have some issues on their offensive line and their defense. And you know what? The Colts hung around last week. You know, if it was, they didn't lose the turnover battle, they were right there. They were hanging around with that Jags team who's supposed to win the division and go to the playoffs and, you know, might have an opportunity to go deep in the playoffs. So Indy hung around. The Texans, you know, they played a good half. And after that, eh, uh, I, I like the Colts here plus one and a half. You know what? I I wouldn't have said after, um, after you know, week one that this would have been a decent game here. But I don't know, man. I think uh, Matthew Stafford found the fountain of middle middle age or something here because <laughs> he looked pretty damn good in that game, and that was without Cooper Cup. And there's the 49ers. They go into Pittsburgh. And, boy, I'll tell you what, you guys got killed in this game because, I mean, for whatever reason and, – and it was at – what was it, like two the number last yeah. week against the Steelers? I mean, they were kind of taking – They closed minus one. They yeah. closed my what and then they end up throwing up 31 7 or 30 to 7, whatever it was. Um, how do you look at this game? Uh, 49ers and the Rams. I mean, the 49ers look really efficient against the Steelers, and the Steelers were supposed to be pretty good. Uh, that was one of the games we were wrong on. I mean, we don't get them yeah. all. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it, did it shock me? No, but I expected a lot more from Pittsburgh in uh, you know, in the first game of the season with Mike Tomlin, but this week. I mean, the Rams are playing pretty good. It's down to seven in some shops, seven and a half. That's a big number. Everyone's going to be teasing San Francisco down to minus depending on what kind of teaser you're putting in there. 
it's a tough game to call it. The number's right there. And uh, I'm not t- I haven't bet the game. I don't want to give out advice on a game that I haven't bet on. If my money's not on the play, I don't want to tell people who to bet on. So until I bet it, I'll let you guys know. You don't think the Giants put up two stinkers in a row and against Arizona? Arizona fought against um, the commanders pretty hard there, the, the fighting Gannons. I mean, you know, I'm, but you don't think the Giants – do the Giants start out 0-2? I don't think they start out 0-2. What scares me is I checked the bet, you know, splits, and right now Vegas, AC, offshore, 80% of the money is on the Giants. That's a little scary. If you want to back them, you know, I never want to be on the public side, even though they do, they probably went around 50% of the time. What eats up the public is the vague, the 10% juice. Uh, but when you got eight out of every 10 ticket being punched on the New York Giants, I don't really want to bet. I don't want to bet on them. And the Arizona so bad. I don't want to back them, invest, you know, my money in Arizona. And the commanders did turn the ball over a bunch of times against Arizona. So that's what really kept them in the game. Uh, gun to my head. If I had to bet it, uh I'd probably be a square. I'd, have, I'd probably bet with the pot. You got to go with the Giants here. I mean, if you had to. Okay, this is a really weird game here. The Milf Hunter and the Jets versus the Cowboys in Dallas. I mean, um, what's the number two? And by the way, um, Dallas, do you think that's a damn good defense? Okay, so do you think this is an under number? And do you think this is closer than what people are really looking at with this? Because they're good on defense. Yeah, I mean, both teams are really, really good on defense. And that Cowboys defense, I mean, unless my eyes are going bad, they look like one of the fastest defenses I've ever seen. When's the last time you've seen a defense that fast? They actually got to the quarterback quicker than any other NFL team in week one. So this defense is for real. Um, It's tough. You got no quarterback with the Jets. The total went from 46.5. It's down to 38.5. So they're, they're not expecting many points in this one. I had bet the, uh, the the Cowboys early before the uh, Jets game, so I got a good number. I laid 160 on the money line. It went up to as high as minus 9.5. Now it's back down to 8.5, 9. I still think the Jets can keep this game kind of close with that defense. Uh, I'm not expecting many points in this one either. I like the Jets. If it gets back to 9, 9.5, 10, I'll be looking to bet the Jets here. At the current number, 9, yeah, I, I, I could see the Jets covering the spread Hey, are you buying the Miami Dolphins? And it, it's New England, too. In New England at Gillette. I mean, boy, I'll tell you. If Tua – that might be the most frightening duo between Tyreek Hill and Tuga Viola. I mean, 466, his completion percentage was off the charts, too. I mean, boy, he looked awful good in that game. And you know what I loved about Tua? Stepped up in the pocket for a kid – who you would think may be a little apprehensive on doing that. He got popped in the face a couple times. I'll tell you what, man, I was, I, I was impressed. He has, he, this kid has a lot of courage in that pocket. Yeah, he's got a lot of heart. And this is one of the teams, like, we took the Cowboys at 16-1. to We took the Browns at 39-1. And we also took the Dolphins at 40-1 to before the season started. Now Miami's down to 15-1 to to win the whole thing. Yeah. So the market's moving in the right direction. The sharpest guys in the world – are really liking this Dolphins team. But this week, I mean, it's up to three. I can't take my uh, – I can't take the Patriots, anything under three. If it gets to three and a half, I might be looking to take the Patriots here, plus three and a half. I think, I think you know, whoever wins this game is going to be by a field goal. Doubleheader on Monday night. Um, New Orleans and Carolina. I think New Orleans goes to 2-0. and 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, Carolina rookie quarterback, that defense on the Saints is really good. Uh, they escaped last week. <laughs> they got lucky. I had them on the money line last week. I already took them on the money line, and I laid two and a half on this team. Lines up to three. It's a key number. Uh, if you can buy the hook down to two and a half, take the Saints. Are you buying Cleveland? Um, they played Pittsburgh in that second game on Monday night. Are you buying them? Do you think that's a pretty good looking roster? <laughs> Stacked. Yeah. And we talked about them last week. I told everyone I laid, you know, I took Cleveland last week. And this week, as soon as the number came out, I laid one on Cleveland. I'm looking at the screen now. It's two and a half almost everywhere. Threes are starting to pop up. Uh, you want to bet them below that key number if you're looking to back Cleveland here. Two and a half. I think they get the job done. I think they're the better team. I think they're the more talented team. I think they're the, you know, Tom is a great coach, but you got two head coaches on this Cleveland Browns team with Stefani and Jim Schwartz. And I think Schwartz has made all the difference in the world on the defensive side of the ball. And people are talking a lot of smack about Deshaun Watson, but he played better than 75% of the quarterbacks in week one. I mean, his numbers weren't the best, but he played better than a lot of, you know, he played better than Hurts. He played better uh, than Lamar Jackson in week one. He played better than a lot of guys. So this Cleveland Browns team is for real. And we're not going to invest in the team before the season started unless we did our research. And that's why we took 39 to 1 on the Browns to win the whole thing. He said that he played better than Hurts, not me here. Um, he hey, did. Look at his numbers as QBR. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. <laughs> that's what I try to tell folks. Couple college games. Just get your thoughts. Um, what's what's the money doing with Dion in Colorado? What's it's it's, it's must see television. It's um, great. I just don't know how good the team is yet. You know what I mean? Look, they got Colorado State this weekend. Then they got Oregon and SC on the back end of this. But how are you looking as a professional sports better here, looking at Colorado when you're putting money away with them, knowing full well that, you know, it, it's kind of built on quicksand a little bit with all those transfers and the guys that were in the portal. Yeah, and he turned over the whole roster in one year. Yep. I mean, what he's done so far has been an amazing job. And their season win total before the season started was three and a half. Now it's up to six and a half. And uh, I still think they can win seven games on the season. But coming into this game, the whole world's betting them. Right now it's like 95% of the tickets are on Colorado. You're laying a big number. We took Colorado State plus 24. Before the season started, Colorado State's win totals were at six and a half. Colorado's was at three and a half. So this team can rumble a little bit. 24 points is a ton of points in college football, especially after two big wins. This is kind of a letdown spot for Colorado, and you're getting 24 points with Colorado State. I'll bet that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Penn State at Illinois. Um, I don't know what the number is on that one there, but are you buying Penn State on being a 10-plus win team this year? Yeah, we went over nine and a half wins before the season started. Uh, I think they get to 10. Two biggest tests are going to be uh, Michigan – and Ohio State, but Ohio State hasn't looked that great. Their quarterback hasn't impressed anybody. Michigan looks strong. Uh, spreads 14 and a half, 15, depending on where you shop. It's a big number. It's a big number. Uh, I haven't bet it yet, but if I do, I'll, I'll put it out on Twitter for everyone to, you know, to follow. Well, I know next week's going to be a rough week for me here because I got Temple with my Canes next week and the Buccaneers play the Eagles on Monday night, so – I mean, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're going to be pushing it to the to the hilt here. Hey, how can folks find you and your show and all the stuff that you do, my friend? Yeah, check me out on Twitter, at Philly Godfather. You can stop by my website, thephillygodfather.com. And we got the sports betting show on SiriusXM, channel 159, uh, Sports Grid, Jacob Sports, 
and we live stream it on Twitter as well. So make sure you guys check it out. You were on last week's episode. Thanks for coming on, Dan. And we're going to have you on a bunch of times this season. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you again. I appreciate you doing it, man. Good luck, guys. You got it. That is our friend, Philly Godfather. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondly hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. <sighs> so go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Big Sills! How's that there, Tone? Huh? I just sent Tone an email from Rock's people. And guess what they said they're going to do, Tone? They're going to, we're going to tape it, I believe. I think we're going to have to tape it. But they're going to promote the interview on all his social media platforms. On his, I think on his Instagram, it's over 100 million. 
um, people that are on his Instagram. I think he's got 25 million on his Twitter. I think his Facebook has a hundred million. So over a hundred million. Let me, let me see what he has on his, on his Instagram. Tone, is that, is that not crazy? What, what the rock, let's see what the rock has on his Instagram. Uh, how many people does he have? He has 390 million. 390 million people are going to watch my interview with Dwayne Johnson. Just on Instagram alone. 390 million. Rock's coming on and they go, hey, you're one of his idols. I went, don't say that to me, Maya. Yeah, he goes like, no, you're you're totally one of his idols. And he's going to say that on this interview. So we're going to tape this thing. And just on his Instagram alone is 390 million people are on Instagram. His Twitter account, which he's done a lot of stuff for me on that as well. Um, this is wild. Unbelievable. It'd be the biggest interview I've ever done. I've done a president before. I did President Obama. And I did President Clinton. Um, let's see, The Rock. How many people does he have on his Twitter? Uh, Seventeen point one million on his Twitter and three hundred and ninety million on his Instagram. <laughs> That's how many people are going to have access to this interview we're going to tape. Uh, I think he's going to, I think we're going to do it prior to the Colorado, Colorado state game. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm, you'll have to call WDAE. iHeartMedia. They have erased all my interviews from the website at DAE. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. That's how you can senor. <laughs> oh man. Hey. How, how oh I know, senor. It that but that's what happens, senor, when when those people like want to get rid of you. They they think erasing you is the way to do it. And it's just ridiculous. I try and from now on, I save most of my interviews too now. And I've I've got them now because it's better now to save all that stuff. Hey, Arthur, thank you, man. I'll tell you what, it's a pretty big deal that it's not so much that I'm interviewing Rock. It's the fact that we're going to have a lot of people being able to have eyeballs on the interview and they're going to know Jacob Sports and my show. And I think that's the big thing about it. Hey, by the way, I happen to subscribe a lot of what Tone says about, about the 2-0 and o thing. At the end of the day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the show and finish the show by saying this. It is 2 and 0. It is 2 and 0. Okay? 
It is. We started it, and we're going to end it that way. It's 2-0. Might not feel good about it, but I'd rather feel not good about something being 2-0 than 0-2. I'd feel 10 times worse. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Ain't nobody scared from anybody in San Mateo. That could be more true than you think. Hey, thank you guys so much, man. I appreciate you guys coming aboard with us, man. Thank you guys. We had such a great week this week. It was like Paisan Alley this week, wasn't it? I mean, Tone, right? It was like Paisan week the entire week. Farzetta today, Bruno, Missinelli, Cadaldi, Tone Shields. Oh, we're, 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 all, we're all kind of Paisans here anyway at the, at the end of the day. Hey, listen. Great football weekend. I'm watching that Dion thing on Saturday, too, by the way. Also, Sunday football. Monday, we'll announce our winners for you to be able to get a chance to go to um, Hooters and get your gift certificates. So we'll announce those winners on Monday. God bless every one of you, man. Thank you so much for having some fun with us here. Remember, don't get, don't get your panties in a bind. It's all good. Xander, Big Joe, we thank you very much. Tone, you're killing it. Absolutely one of the best. I thank you so much. God bless you. Everyone, we'll see you Monday 3 to 6, and we'll see you on the flip side.